Hello, hello, welcome to the Eddie Conversation Podcast, episode number 10. My name is Eddie V. Hill and I am your host. Uh, I am a filmmaker based out of Los Angeles, California, and this week uh, talking a little music. But before we get into that, I do want to remind you that this podcast is also available in video form on YouTube. You can just search the Eddie Conversation Podcast there if you do want to watch along versus just listen. And again, bonus points after listening, if you are a fan of the show, if you could leave some sort of rating or review on whichever platform you're listening, I heard that helps. So yeah, let's just jump into it. Episode number 10 featuring Celeste Tosher. Welcome to my backyard. Yeah, yeah, no, thanks for for coming on the, uh, the Eddie Conversation podcast. You are Celeste Tosher. Yes, great pronunciation. And your, what, what do we call it, like your artist name or your alt-identity talker? Uh, yes, all of the above. Okay. Talker. The artist known as Talker. Yes, the artist <laughs> known as Talker. Um, I am excited to talk to you because I guess like this is my first time meeting you in person. Mm-hmm. I have, I, I recently, I think I discovered you when I was looking for music for my movie and... I was interested in talking to like independent artists mm-hmm. in the LA area and uh, I forgot how specific I, I didn't go back and research what I googled but you were in some sort of like top up-and-coming artists of LA in some capacity. Great. Love to hear that. <laughs> and uh, and me and my me and my roomie were actually looking into um, trying to see if we can collab with some artists to get some music video experience. And that's how I first actually reached out that's to you. That's right, yeah. And I was super stoked about personal space. Yeah. And uh, I mean, lo and behold, I didn't get to make you a music <laughs> video. But we can blame COVID for that. I'll we just can. blame COVID. And it was but. all like, it was like the video for personal space was already in motion. Right, so it right, was right. like one of those things, sure. you know. But yeah, here but, yeah. we are. So since then, um, I had the chance to kind of like I was regardless of what happened, I was stoked about your your EP Wax, and uh, I wanted just to talk about you and like I guess I haven't had the chance to talk to too many uh, artists in the in the music space, so I'm curious, mm-hmm. being that you've been pursuing it for forever right on uh, on all on on your approach and i guess that specific ep and, and that kind yeah. of stuff i don't know where you want to start yeah i mean it's it's all very broad <laughs> yeah, start with personal space because it's my yeah it's my personal yeah, yeah. Favorite. um i mean or how it works yeah basically the long story short of like a quick background sure. you know is like I, yeah, I think music is kind of one of those things where for a lot of people, there's no, like, start date of, Mm -hmm. oh, I now have decided that this is what I do. It's, like, something that you just always do. Uh, And it's, at least for me, it's something that I've always done. Um, And, yeah, so I have, to date, put out two EPs and... The first one, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of been cool. Like, they've just been building, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. with each song and each record. And I think that's kind of the, the ideal way to do it is to, like, have that slow growth and be picking up, like, real fans along the way as opposed to, you know, having something work out overnight with the internet. I mean, that would 
be great. That's always great. Sure, but sure. I think it's uh, I think there's less longevity in that. So with wax, um, yeah, I basically, as I was putting out my first EP horror films, I was also writing and recording and working on new music, and that was wax, um, or what would eventually come to be wax. Um, and yeah, personal space. I mean, I wrote that song. like maybe two years almost to the day mm-hmm. ago mm-hmm. I yeah. wrote it in in November of 2018 and yeah I mean it's just like about anxiety and I think you know a lot of us who experience that kind of thing and I think a lot of creatives experience mm-hmm. that kind of thing mm-hmm. it's like sometimes you just feel like you can't get any personal space from yourself from your head um and I kind of wanted to I was I was in like a particularly heightened version of that at the time Mm -hmm. and I wanted to just kind of write about that and and have a song kind of singing to myself to leave myself alone and yeah I mean it just it took on the life that it that it did with the production and the instrumentation and everything mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean i didn't really like i'm just picking up leaves yeah, and yeah I, I guess for those that aren't over. that aren't watching we're <laughs> in your backyard right now in in november yes and we're hoping the weather holds up yeah i that think it will yeah, yeah. it's be. nice to be outside it's actually like really nice out mm-hmm. i'm i'm happy it's just like you gotta just like cross your fingers that it stays that way yeah because it rained yesterday but i think it's i think it's not supposed we'll to be good out. we'll be yeah. good yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> but yeah basically you know it's it's so funny because wax mm-hmm. came out it came out in march mm-hmm. but it really feels like it came out in like such a different yeah, universe it came out in early march it came out march so. 6th it came out i was able to still do like two release shows like i played emo night and i played mm-hmm. bootleg and then two days later it was like okay no more shows no more nothing yeah so i just kind of flew under the radar with that um but it yeah in turn like that it really feels like i did not put it out this year like i just it, it's it... such a different universe that we all were living in so it feels even longer in ways mm-hmm. but it's funny because personal space i think ironically like it became more relevant at least for me yeah you know in in all of this we're all stuck yeah you know we're all isolated and like if you couldn't get away from your thoughts before good luck yeah (laughs) you know and i don't know i think i was like really feeling that way especially like around the time that i was working on a video and and releasing that um now it's kind of this weird thing where this is just our existence Mm -hmm. and i think that like we're all trying to kind of figure out ways to get creative and be able to like enjoy life while like safely working within these new parameters that we're going to have for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that's kind of the origin of that song. And, um, well, I guess like, I'm curious to, I guess we can come back to the music in a bit, but I am curious to hear about, what that was like for you being that i guess there's some separate like you said it feels like it's been yeah a long time <laughs> since since those days of uh 
of going out in public and singing yeah. and singing your stuff. So, uh, being that you had prepped for that, you were able to do a couple of shows, mm -hmm. and then the world shut down. Yeah. And then now, like you said, this is our existence. What what has that evolution felt like so far to you and where is it because i i'm not like i'm in the film space so mm -hmm. i think about productions coming back a little bit and people right. are trying to get stuff done and it's still kind of weird and some people are taking it seriously some aren't right but like i've seen you you're pretty active on social media in, in terms of spreading awareness of, of different topics and mm -hmm. stuff and one of them is being like the i don't know what like the ind not like the independent music space, like I don't like the venue space. Like Neva. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I'm very curious about that that side of things yeah. and what there is to go back to, like all that kind of stuff. But if you want to. Yeah, I mean, we could we could start, make the entire from, conversation about just this. Let's just start from the beginning. Yeah. And just go from there. See what happens. Okay. Well, I'll kind of start with yeah, like my personal experience with it and how that's shaped into yeah, yeah. how it relates to everything. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I put out Wax March 6th. The following week, everything fell apart. <laughs> right. And um, oh, the airplane, that's the, one, no the one bad thing about being outside is airplanes. Noise. I, th I think we're like in a, in like a track that the Burbank Airport flies over us here. But we're good. Well, it is. It's fine. It's just... Listeners will understand. Yes. It's, you know, it's nice outside. We're in a pandemic. Better to be outside. Such is life. Mm -hmm. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I think, you know, for me, it was kind of this thing where, like, my, so Wax, like, mm -hmm. as an EP and, like, building up to that, there was a lot of growth happening um, with my music that you know I still have and everything but like in that moment there's a lot of growth happening mm -hmm. um you know releasing stuff and and playing shows and getting some offers for different opening slots and stuff like that and we were set to do five showcases at South by Southwest that's right yeah. yes 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 and um that like so I didn't even know Southwest South South by did live I um, yeah. yeah, well, it's funny when you're, like, so, like, in your own industry, right, in your right. world. Because for me, like, for years, I did not know that they did film <laughs> they did stuff. They did a film festival. Um, and, yeah, it was kind of weird because, you know, at first, before it got fully shut down, you know, a, a lot of people have criticized certain elements of South By now because... Mm you know, when it started, it was very, like, DIY, mm. very, oh, very punky, like, very, like, and I don't mean that in a genre sense, but I mean that in the sense of, like, all of these places were just, like, hosting live music, it was just, like, that was the thing, and mm -hmm. then it got very corporate, and now you have, you know, Facebook as a sponsor, TikTok as a sponsor, like, all these different things, and they all host their showcases and all this stuff, so this year... I think TikTok and Facebook were the first to pull out. Mm. And at first, people were kind of stoked because it was like, we're still going to go. It's just going to be a little bit more like it used to be. Yeah, yeah. And it'll be fun and cool. And I remember, like, me and my band, we were like, are we still going? And we're like, we're just going to avoid large crowds. Like, it's fine. We'll be able to do this. Like, that's, we, we can avoid large crowds, which I'm like, I've been to South by, like, you cannot avoid large crowds. Mm -hmm. um, but. 
that was like we were like okay that's what we're gonna do and then the day that my ep came out beautiful yeah the day that the record came out was march 6th on that day was when they officially canceled it oh dang we were in rehearsal for emo night that night and we were like oh this is canceled Mm -hmm. but um it was kind of weird because some of the like un- there's like official showcases and unofficial showcases um and the unofficial ones it's like just like some of the bars and restaurants in the area yeah yeah the like, auxiliary kinda. yeah exactly and so you know i had i had some of each and so the official showcases got canceled but the unofficial ones some places were like well you know we're a venue and we host live music so we're still going to do our show but, you know, let us know if you're going to back mm-hmm. out. And I, everybody, myself included, I think, like, most people backed out. And it was like, this just feels kind of weird and whatever. So, like, none of it ended up happening. Mm-hmm. And I think um, that was, yeah, that was, like, the beginning of, like, whoa, this is real. Yeah. But it was still, like, I think everybody, not just in music, but, like, everybody across the board, like, naively thought that it would be a couple months. Yeah, I, I heard you on another podcast talking about summer plans and yeah. kind of stuff like that. But yeah, we didn't know. I guess I'll interject really quick with South by was definitely the beginning. It's like in, mid-March. Yeah, because like I was a script supervisor on a short film that got accepted into the, the film festival. Like I didn't have plans to go or anything, mm-hmm. but I know like the director and a lot of the people involved similar to your thing is like that was their big mm-hmm. opportunity to be in a space with all the people and use that as like South by's legitimate right. platform to bounce off of yeah and, and that being pulled out from under you the one year that you like I don't know if it's a is it it sounds like a similar thing or like South do you do you get any I guess in the film side is they still had like a um the the virtual yeah i mean they didn't have that and they still get the laurel right and they can still say they got accepted into the thing i don't know if there's any there's not really that for music because it's just like it's um that you were gonna play yeah and that you've been booked there before like i don't know if that's a it's less of a i think that in music i think in some ways i mean the film is industry is constantly changing as well but i think in some ways the film industry is still a little bit more traditional in the sense of like you know if you apply to a festival and get accepted um you know you can screen whether it's virtually or in person and then it's like you know various buyers or whatever Mm -hmm. might be there and they view it and you can say oh our film got this great accolade whatever with music it's kind of more of like a gamble of just like who's going to be in the right room at the right time. And so, you know, I don't think that people really care that much that you, like, got into South By. I think it's more like everybody from the music industry goes and is catching shows Mm -hmm. and, you know... And you never know. You never know. Mm -hmm. And the goal is to just, like, play some amazing shows and, you know, someone is excited by your live set and then wants to know more. You know, it's, it's... I think it's it's more something where it's like in that moment they feel like moved and inspired to you know whatever so so it's a little bit different of a strategy and so yeah I mean that definitely sucked like it was 
Yeah. You know, I mean, the good thing is that, like, everybody's in the same boat, and I'll go in 2022. Sure. You know? Yeah. But it's, it is, like, it would have been nice, you know, but. Of course, of course. It is what it is, um, and I think at this point, for me personally, it's, like, it's funny because March was, you know, like, eight or nine months ago. Eight months ago, I think. Yeah. It was. But it feels, like I said, like, it feels so much longer because the world has just changed so much. Time has become irrelevant. Like, it's just, like, a weird thing. Yeah, we're in a, we're in a pause button mode right yeah, now. Like, and nothing's so, happening. Yeah, and so at first I kind of was, like, you know, at first I was, like, oh, my God, like, I have to be putting stuff out because everything has like also at least in music I don't know if in film it's the same but everything has a much shorter shelf life now mm-hmm. I think and you know before things still had a short shelf life because of the way that the music industry works now and everybody's attention span mm-hmm. and the way that we consume content but it was like you put out a record and then you toured it and people saw it in person people you know they had that that concert ticket they had that date in their calendar it was in their awareness they were excited they saw you they had that experience with you in real life and now you don't really have that so at first I was like oh everything has a short shelf life I have to put some I have to put more music out this year I'm gonna be irrelevant like all this stuff you know but then I was also like at the same time like time is so weird right now and so eight months versus 12 months like it just doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. as long as you're like making good art and putting it out in a way that will best set you up for success so um as far as my own stuff I mean I am working on a new record the production sorry I'm so sorry about all the leaves blowing (laughs) listeners at home pretend that you're outside in the wind and you're getting smacked in the face with a bunch of leaves um, I also provided nice blankets for us yeah, and I'm going to put I'll get mine into on. mine soon. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think, um, yeah, so I've been working on a new record mm-hmm. and the production is basically done. It has to still, like, be mixed and mastered. So, you know, I won't be putting anything new out until probably the spring. But mm-hmm. it's kind of something where I, yeah, I was like, oh, like, I need to put new stuff out, all of this. And then I was like, in reality, I'd rather, like, keep my head down and make something really, really good so that I can start to put more stuff out next year and, you know, be able to release and plan with the current state of the world in mind. Yeah, kind of see what what different... Because, like, what you were describing is your, like, tools are being stripped away Mm -hmm. because, because of the world. So... It almost, it's like, how productive can you be with the tools you have left? So yeah. you might as well wait until the tools become available again or different tools become the norm or, yeah. like, whatever the case may be. Or just, like, I mean, not to toot my own horn here, but, like, <laughs> oh, my God. Not to toot my own horn here, but, like, I think my record's really good that I've been working on. And I think sure. it's because... I took the time to do it right, and I wasn't like, I have to put something out, Yeah. you know? Um, but it took a while to, to figure out what that looked like. And yeah, it's, it's tough because at the same time, like, releasing music right now, 
yeah, those tools have been stripped. There's only so much you can do. I mean, you look at some artists who have had like their their breakout moment this year or like their viral moment and that's great for them mm -hmm. and it's, you know, everybody wants that. But it's also kind of a tough year for that because you can't tour, you can't really like fully build upon and capitalize on that moment. Yeah. You know? Um yeah, you can't tour. You just gotta hope to sustain it until you can, I right. guess. Right, and so it's like if you have that moment now, like, then you really do have to be like putting more music out, mm -hmm. trying to get, I don't know, like on the late night circuit to play show. Like, I don't really know what you do if yeah, you have yeah, a breakout yeah. moment right now. Yeah. And so that was a big thing for me too, where I was like, I really like need to not worry about it and worry about like seeing certain, you know, some friends of mine or people I know, like having moments or whatever it's like everybody is gonna have their moment and i would rather take the time to work on good mm -hmm. music right now yeah, and yeah. then and i guess i guess one thing that you're one thing okay i'll, I'll go back to almost the south life time yeah, yeah, frame yeah. is that was canceled you're trying to figure out like you just released this thing you want to make sure you do some sort of due diligence yeah. toward that and from my perspective one thing i'm always a big fan of with artists is just just and why I, like, I was kind of drawn to you so much, especially on top of the music, like I like to think about the artist in real life yeah. and the music. It kind of like combines for me a little bit, but um, was the hustle and just like, oh, she's, you're, you're doing all those like IG lives yeah. and, and cause we, at the time, like you said, we didn't know how long the wait was going to be. Yeah. So you were just trying to do what you could while you had mm -hmm. those opportunities. And I saw that a lot but I don't know if there's anything in that experience worth like looking back on or yeah I mean I think that in a way it was good that the record came out right before the pandemic I mean yes it would have been great to tour but I think you know I had for example like I had some friends who you know they hadn't they were still kind of in the middle of like a writing and production phase mm -hmm. and they had kind of put together like a plan based on the way that the world was set up before. Yeah. And I think that like now, or like at the time, excuse me, it was kind of like they were in a position of having to figure out, okay, like, can I still write this? Uh, is my music even gonna be, like is the music that I was writing before, is that really gonna be relevant to be recording now? And like all this stuff. Whereas for me, it was like the record was out and yes, it would have been great to be able to tour, but I had something to promote where like I could yeah. use the internet to my advantage. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah, I did a little like live stream quote unquote tour where I went live from, you know, some different platforms of, of various like, uh, like blogs and magazines and stuff that have supported me. And yeah, I did a lot of live stream, did a lot of like, yeah, just like more digital press stuff. And so... Again, not ideal, but yeah, I think yeah, yeah. having something to promote and being able to just be online was great in that moment. That's something to put some time toward is all yeah. nice to. Oh, completely. And I, <laughs> yeah, think, and I think that also, like, now people are so sick of, like, live streams and stuff yeah. online, and understandably so. And so I kind of think that, like, it was good that I had that moment of being able to do that at the start. While people were still... Yeah, because mm -hmm. now it's, like... Yeah, when I think about, okay, how was how was the experience of? Because I know, when I think about the virtual tours, like for instance, 
I guess I've always been against, I'm not a big film festival guy, mm-hmm. but then even now, so that they're all going to virtual, yeah. it's even less so for me. Like, I don't like the experience of, it's the same thing as music, I'm sure. Like, it's the, it's the energy in the room that you yeah, get. totally. Getting the instant reaction and, yeah. and the inclusion of the experience. You know, when you go virtual, like it's like sweet my, my my film premiered and there's like so many concurrent viewers or i see the views but you don't really get the yeah so it's not an experience that you're sharing with people yeah and i think that like yeah like the same with like film and having in-person screenings and as with you know concerts and live shows it's like it's an emotional experience for everybody who's mm-hmm. attending to be like having that shared connection in that moment and then you as the creator or the performer or you know whatever it is being able to have that give and take sorry well I don't know why I'm saying sorry it's the the earth around us and her beautiful magnitude I feel like this is our first like really really windy fall day we're uh picked a great day the weather's happening weather is happening um okay, like okay for, I guess to from my experience because I did tap into some of those live streams that you were doing mm-hmm. and it was difficult for me as let's say like a fan and a viewer enjoying the experience to really get it across to you that like it's like i'm here and i'm watching yeah and like i hit the little heart button (laughs) and i'm like is she getting it it feels like a weird black mirror experience where i'm like please totally totally it's like you just don't have that that like legitimate emotional like chemistry connection with other people yeah and um that is so important and such like a shared human experience and yeah, I think that live streams are cool, especially like, you know, if it's like one or two and you're seeing it and it's an artist you love and they're playing music. And, you know, I think if it's also like something where um, like someone's doing something really cool or unique or like, I don't know, I've seen some people yeah. who are doing like weird stuff on their on their live streams and, and that kind of thing is great. It's cool. Mm-hmm. It's like watching a, an NPR tiny desk you know it's a cool thing yeah yeah sure but it's not a replacement for live shows it's like its own thing it'd be like a nice additional seasoning on top to to have every once in a while versus this is all you get that you're right your entree exactly and so it's kind of just like yeah i'm at a point where you know we'll see what the world looks like when i start putting music out again because we certainly won't be like in a live show space yet because we're going to be in this for a while and unfortunately shows will be one of the last things to come back even if you can go to a restaurant you know Mm -hmm. um so we'll see but yeah i don't know i i I have to learn from what's going on in Mm -hmm. the world and in that space to know what to do because um live streams are cool i'll probably do and do them here and there as i put stuff out but yeah, you know, yeah. it's like so. So uh. transitioning out of the live space, like the live the live stream kind of stuff that you were doing. What came next? Like, I guess did you were you already 
because what I, what I saw described, I forgot where I saw this or, or whatnot, but, or if it was on Twitter, maybe, because I went through your Twitter. <laughs> I love stalked it. you for sure. Love it. Due diligence. You talked about how you set a goal of like, I'm the goal is not to write. Like, I'm not going to put any pressure on myself to write anything. And then what you ended up coming out with was a full plethora of writing. Yeah. Once you release the pressure of this needs to get done. Yeah. So I don't know if you, well, yeah, how did that go? Yeah, I mean, I think um, at this, it, this was like not necessarily after the, the live stream space, you know what I mean? It was kind of like concurrent with it, but yeah, um, yeah, I love to write music and I, I kind of hit this point of like, I think in LA especially, but in general in the music industry, well, I, I, I take back the LA thing because Nashville's like this too, but in the music industry, there's kind of this world of like, of co-writing with people yeah. and um, like very like a factory, like getting together with people, getting put in writing sessions with different people mm -hmm. through like your management or your, your ASCAP representative or like whatever it's going to be mm. and um, constantly like turning out new music. And that you're talking about writing or yes, just full full music writing. Okay. And that can be great in a lot of ways. Like I've done that. I still do that sometimes. And like you can end up meeting somebody who's like an amazing collaborator, mm -hmm. becomes an amazing friend, and it's just like a really good way to like build up your writing skill set, especially when you're starting out. Mm -hmm. So that's great. But it also can feel a little bit robotic at times. Mm -hmm. And for someone like me who you know, I have the talker project and it is so personal for me. Sometimes I just, I don't get excited or inspired by the idea of like writing with a bunch of different people for various things. And then the song may or may not see the light of day. So when we moved into this virtual space, it was kind of like uh, writing with somebody over Zoom. Yeah. It's hard enough, but, like, doing that with someone that you don't really know that well mm -hmm. is just kind of weird. And for me, like, I tend to not really have that much trouble, like, getting to know people or, like, talking to people or working with them even if I've never met them before. Yeah. So it's not like I struggled that much with that, but I kind of just, like, didn't really feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> I just didn't want to. And so I was like, okay, like, I'll do some writing with some of my friends over zoom but i'm not gonna do like the hamster wheel mm -hmm. and that ended up leading to some really really great songs mm -hmm. because it was like just with my friends and yeah, just yeah. like yeah. chilling and you know since then i i have done like plenty of writing with new people because again i think at first we thought that this would be more temporary <laughs> yeah. and now it's like okay well we still got to continue to write and mm -hmm. meet new people and expand that creative circle so i i do write now more so i with with people i don't know sometimes but it's still predominantly like my main circle of collaborators mm -hmm. and so what came out of that was like a record or like a, a group of songs i should say that i was just excited about because it felt very true to me mm -hmm. and i wrote it with mostly with my my super close friends and yeah so then it was kind of like okay like how are we gonna turn this into a thing yeah, what are we yeah. gonna do and and my friend one of my close collaborators Dan Satan um he plays with me and, and writes with me a lot and stuff he and his wife just moved up to Ojai and he set up a studio in his oh, garage mm -hmm. and 
has like a whole setup. So I went and stayed with them for a couple weeks in September. And um, yeah, we recorded. You got some stuff done. got the stuff done. And, <laughs> you know, I, it's been a process put sim- since To put then. simply. Yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's been a process. Like we didn't finish in full in that moment. But mm-hmm. um, now we're pretty much done for the most part. And um, it's been cool because it's really been like a like so, a full circle of coming back to the person like the small group of collaborators yeah yeah so i guess a couple of questions on on that whole process i guess i'll jump to where we're at right now yeah. but like so like dan Saden, you say uh we'll collaborate you'll, you'll collaborate on the writing side and then he's also acting as like the producer of like who's the yeah it's all very collaborative i mean so I didn't write like everything with him for sure, this record, sure. but some of the songs he he wrote some of the songs with me, and then basically you know he and I were like okay like I, I think this is partially influenced by COVID, mind you. In prior years Club. and months, yeah. uh, including on Wax, it's like when you write a song with somebody or you write it by yourself, you know you end up maybe like producing it with that person. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to like more like old school or like yeah just like old school ways of doing it where it's like you have one produ- one producer one person who's like working on the record with you you're with them for like a month or two and you're just like working on the record mm-hmm. it's much more sporadic now kind of because of that whole like session like writing session culture yeah where it's like you'll have a day here a day here different producers for every song and then at the end of the day you put it together and Mm -hmm. call it an album yeah that doesn't feel like an album to me that feels great that feels fun but it's not like a cohesive Mm -hmm. body of work right in the same sense Mm -hmm. and so we were kind of like it was like i'm not going to be going around to a bunch of different producers right now anyway like so we might as well just kind of hunker down and work mm-hmm. on this. And I have a few other producers who are on the record because it was like we wrote a song together and it was just like a very special thing that we wanted to do together. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, Dan and I are basically like working together, you know, in like a more executive production sense of like making sure all the songs are cohesive, making sure it feels like a record yeah. as opposed to a bunch of songs on a playlist. Yeah. So do you handle how much, what's the, who's the, because you're the voice, mm-hmm. who's the other side? Are you, because you do the instrumentals as well? Yeah. Or, and then he I does mean, instrumentals too, and then. Yeah, it's very collaborative. And, and then that's all it takes is just you two and you come out with, you come out with complete tracks? Yeah, I mean, it's not, There, there's definitely like a bit more to it in the sense of like, my drummer, for example, like we had him come up for a day and mm-hmm. so he played all the drum parts and then we, you know, like treated them and, and chopped them up to make sure we got like the perfect take, like all that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're both just like playing. I, I'm all over that record playing a bunch of different instrumental stuff. Dan's all over that record playing a bunch of instrumental stuff and like, yeah, I think this record in particular was super, super collaborative, yeah. especially because, like, there were times that I wasn't necessarily at his house. Like, there are some piano... I have a piano in there, and, like, there are some piano tracks on some of the songs that, like, I recorded, and then I would send him the files, or, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I recorded all the backing vocals with my friend here at the house, and then sent him the files, and so we tried to be in person as much as we could to really have that, like, 
real-time creativity yeah. to be able to just, like, go for it and have fun with it. But there was a lot of that as well, of sending stuff back and forth. And then, like, with some of the other songs that um, some of the other producers are working on, it was, like, a bunch of file sharing. Like, my friend Phil, who's working on one of the songs, he lives in London. Mm-hmm. So we did a couple Zoom sessions where he was working on it in real time. And he, it would be, like, 8 p.m. for him and noon here yeah. would work. But then, like, I would track something and send it to him and vice versa. So it's been an interesting process for sure. Yeah. And then I was going to ask about the writing process in terms of when you're collaborating with somebody new, how do, cause I guess I get stuck in thinking about writing a film mm-hmm. and uh, do you, are they primarily a writer and they're being assigned to you or are you like you, like it's, it's, it's knowing that you're the one that's going to perform this song and we're writing for you or how does like, sometimes, or I is mean, it, it kind of just depends, honestly, like mm-hmm. it really depends on the session and who you're working with. Yeah. You know, there's writing for a specific project, whether it's writing for talker or, you know, if the other person has an artist project as well, you know, writing for them. Okay. Okay. There's so, also, so it goes back and forth. Yeah. And there's also a world of pitch, like in, in the world of pop, especially like, you know, a lot of like songs have multiple songwriters, like pitching songs to artists and stuff. And then there's also which you're more familiar with, I'm sure, like the world of like sync placement mm-hmm. and, um, you know, writing, there's a whole, like, it's great when a song that is just your song is like picked up for a film or TV or whatever, but there's also a whole world of like writing specifically for film and TV. Mm. Um, cause there is kind of like a style in which, you know, it's like a bit more like dramatic and cinematic, you know, perfect for yeah. like these like wild <laughs> scenes and stuff. And sometimes you'll have just songs that happen to work really well for that, that get picked up. But then sometimes it's like songs that were written specifically for sync. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of just depends, but I think, I think that writing like that is just like a skill. That's I do think that that's why it is good to do the hamster wheel a bit when you're first starting out because it's a learned skill to be able to get in a room with somebody or or in a Zoom with somebody. Sure. And you know, sometimes it's someone that you've never met, but you just, you know, based on, you know, your publisher or your manager thought it would be a good creative fit. Mm-hmm. And um and then you know, being able to just open up and lay your guard down immediately and, like, start talking about real things and writing about it. Yeah. I guess, like, I'm curious about how much writing gets done or what if there's any... Like, when you're writing for your next album or whatever you want to call it, being that you said it's not, a, it's not really a collection that fits together as an album, so whatever yeah. that kind of turns into, like, how much writing... If there's any goals in mind where you, you have lots of songs written, but you don't necessarily know which ones are going to be produced or how you're going to... Yeah. I mean... Or, or if it's kind of like... I think that the way that it works for most people and myself included at least you know with this round sure it's like you said like I wasn't trying to pressure myself to write Mm -hmm. and so therefore I wrote a lot yeah yeah and so I had a handful I so 
the record that I'm going to put out, it's not a full album, it's an EP. Okay. But it's eight songs. It's basically like the max number of songs I could put on it without calling it a, an album. <laughs> sure. That's kind sure. of because again, like with COVID, I just I don't really want to put out a debut album while I can't tour. Mm-hmm. And while things are so up in the air and while people's attention spans are so short. So it's an EP. But I would say, so it's eight songs. I would say that before going into production, while I was choosing the songs for the record, I had maybe like 12 or 13 songs that I mm-hmm. really loved. And you're talking about the writing or stuff you've dabbled in to partially produce? I mean, I pretty much will produce like demos of okay. everything. Okay, all right, okay. Mm-hmm. So I had like 12 or 13 demos that I really loved. Nice. And from there we pulled like the eight strongest or like not even necessarily strongest too, but like the eight that felt like a record. Yeah. The eight that felt like they all really fit together and like Mm. felt like a family. So yeah, there was like, and, and I had a ton of other songs too that I had been writing, but those were like my 12 favorite. And then we chose the the eight. So sure. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, because I think about, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I guess I was more thinking about the, the collaboration process and the pressure in coming out with something, but it sounds like it's as chill as anything else. And in this particular yeah. case, where it's like, all right, let's feel this out. Sure, let's write for you this yeah. time. Or sure, let's write, let's just write something. And see, I, don't. I mean, I think that quite frankly, like, if you can't like be chill and just <laughs> sure. like open up to new people and work on stuff in that sense like that's fine but then like r- writing with people is probably not for you and there are a ton of people who don't do a lot of co-writing sessions who mainly just write on their own and have their artist project and release the music that they write and some people do very well with that and some of the songs that are on my record I wrote wrote by myself mind you like I also write by myself all the time I just enjoy collaborating because it's fun so I think that it's like one of those things where you can definitely I mean you can totally make music and do the whole shebang without Including anybody, right? Yeah, if you wanted to. Yeah, Yeah, it's just, if you, uh, if that's not your jam, then, like, that co-writing world is just not, not your track, you know? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm always, uh, I always lean toward the collaboration side. I mean, that's, I mean, that's film in general, but, like, it's, uh, it's too, especially even on the writing side, like, I have a lot of difficulty... Let's say, like, if I have a, an idea for a script, I can I can write it out myself and get like the the bar version of it out. Right. And but I have difficulties kind of carving it, shaping it, and having it grow on my own. Like deadlines yeah. are tough, and the back and forth brainstorming of it mm-hmm. kind of really helps bring out a lot that is difficult to come up with on your own. Yeah. So I feel like, especially probably with what with in the in the music world like having any excuse to be working with others is kind of like a cool yeah. thing because otherwise oh, yeah. it's kind of lonely i would assume otherwise totally yeah i mean it's just fun to work with other people and yeah i think same with film it's like having other people's brains on stuff mm-hmm. just makes it that much better helps it grow helps it develop and then 
you know, when we are playing live shows, like having your band and having them help you flesh out like live versions mm -hmm. and live shows and touring together. And it's just, I think, you know, there's like <laughs> yeah. this quote, right? That's like, if you want to go fast, go alone. Mm. If you want to go far, go together. And it's so cheesy, but it's like, it's true. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fun. I don't know. I love, I love collaboration and, you know, I'm lucky that I've been able to keep up a decent amount of it in, and find some All cool people yeah yeah you know so let's talk about the venue stuff yeah what do you know about that how's it what i mean because <laughs> i know you're you're helping push so like i think they're probably doing some similar stuff with like virtual fundraisers to uh -huh. get money in to help them survive through this time i think i went to one of the links that you had shared prior and i I don't rem rem remember the, the website or anything, but like I hadn't seen any recent posts on there, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, what it's the plan just, is with all that. If you're if you're that, tapped in, I don't know that anybody knows what the plan is. Honestly, no, sure. like I think it's kind of one of those things where, um, yeah. So like in the U.S., you have NEVA, which is the national. I, I believe it's the National Independent Venue Association, mm -hmm. and then you also have. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but, like, there's one for the UK. There's, you know, there's a bunch of them. Sure. And, yeah, it's tough because there's um, a bunch of really iconic independent venues that are kind of, like, barely yeah. hanging on yeah. by a thread. And yeah. a, a bunch that have closed. I mean, even in L.A., like, the Hi-Hat closed. And I've played a bunch of shows there mm -hmm. and been to a bunch of shows there. And... Um, some really famous clubs on the East Coast have closed. And so it's it's this weird thing where, like, I think what we're going to see, the way that it looks now, mm -hmm. okay, like, without some, like, funding, some relief bill saving the day, I think the way that it looks now is, like, some of these venues might survive in the long term, but they're not going to be independent. Like, they're going to get bought up by Live Nation or AEG mm -hmm. or stuff like that. And, you know, it's tough because it's, like, I mean, in a way, that's, like, better than those venues not existing and those people going completely out of business. But it's, like, it all just, like, feeds into, like, the corporate music industry mm -hmm. as opposed mm -hmm. to being independent venues that are, like, buying and booking talent and like putting together shows and, yeah, and that are that are in it with you kind of yeah kinda yeah and it's just you know like once once something is owned by live nation and stuff like that it just makes it that much harder to like try to get on a bill or try to book a show at that mm -hmm. venue mm -hmm. even if it's a small low capacity venue the band that is a little bit more tapped into like you know that corporate side of things is going to be Mm -hmm. the one booking it and it's just like you know i don't know it's just like a sad day for like independent diy music communities when yeah a big corporation comes in and buys yeah. it up so you know i don't know it's kind of like if that's what can save them maybe that's not such a bad thing but yeah because i wasn't sure i was, I was almost kind of thinking that it feels like a weird best case scenario but like closing the doors and then the same owner opens them up later on. I don't even know if that's a 
Like well, just on that's the, basically what's happened already okay. because they're gotcha. not operating right. at all. It's just that they have to be paying rent. That's what it is, you know? <laughs> like, they have to pay rent and... To keep the space, yeah. To keep the space. And they're not making any money. So it's just kind of like that's what it is. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, hopefully, like, in the new year with everything... We'll, new see, leadership. We'll, see we'll see what happens you know maybe we'll we get some do. sort of relief bill passed for the music and events industry because um, that would be like there's only so much that has been yeah. done right now and like there hasn't been that much honestly which is kind of wild mm -hmm. because that industry literally can't operate like it's not like there's a rest it's not like it's a restaurant where they can take out or do take out or have a patio yeah, yeah you know it's like places are closing hi-hat closed satellite closed like there's literally nothing yeah 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 done. yeah it's all the it's all the arts it's the stand-up mm -hmm. comedy it's yeah the, exactly totally it's yeah so it's um and that stuff Theater. is so essential to life to life and our culture and our and, it, and it, I, I do think you know even for the people who don't have that understanding of the arts in the way that we do and that appreciation, mm -hmm. you can easily tie it back to like the general economy and the tourism industry and all this stuff too. Like it's, it's an important part of our, of our economy, even if you don't have an appreciation for culture and the arts. And so it's kind of like, there's really no good reason to be just yeah letting these just people. Just letting it die. Yeah. Yeah. It's so sad and like not yeah there's just been nothing done so I don't really know I don't know what it'll look like I don't know how it'll play out I'm just hoping that that it survives yeah <laughs> yeah and we'll just you know I think I think that the music industry and like local music scenes are gonna look really different after all of this mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have left LA yeah. A lot of people have stayed in L.A. too, but I know a ton of people who have left L.A. And some of them say it's temporary. Some of mm -hmm. them say it's permanent. We'll see what actually how it actually plays out. What, what types of people are you seeing leave L.A.? Is it, all ty is it mostly the artistic all, folk or is it... All types. But I mean, yeah, I think, you know, if you're here for the music industry and you're paying a ton in rent yeah, right. and there's no shows happening, you know, if you can, like go live with your parents or right, something, right. Okay, you know, okay. or like, or like move back to where you're from and get a cheaper apartment somewhere. I mean, I had the thought for me, it's like, I, I live here and I love my life here and my house here and my roommate and I have a good setup. So for me, it didn't really make sense to do something like that. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I were living in like a crappy apartment, paying way too much in rent for and living somewhere stressful and like all of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would probably have moved home for a few months. Like, I don't know, you know, I think it's, yeah. it's tough. And, um, and I still am kind of like maybe, you know, and, and I'm lucky enough to do some like remote work for, for like my outside of music job. So I've been able to keep that a bit, but I'm kind of like, I don't know, like maybe I will go spend a month or two somewhere else just because like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I actually will, but I, I get, the sentiment of not wanting to be sitting in LA like 
not doing anything. Yeah, I mean, now's the now's the chance if you want to do I it. Know, it's kind of weird, right? It's like it's like pandemic times everywhere. Yeah. So it's not like you're going to get to like fully experience living anywhere. <laughs> right. But at the same time, like you're not missing anything mm-hmm. here. You're not leaving all these shows and a community and networking and stuff. It's like that's just not everything's virtual. So you can do that from anywhere. Right. But, so, yeah. So let's, I don't know. I'm thinking about one question I had for you, because I'm not too familiar with, with the culture, I guess, but the uh, the live, like it, maybe a little bit more reminiscing on, on the good times. Totally, right. <laughs> but uh, how is it, as as an indie artist going into a different venue like how 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 do how do venues vary and stuff like how does i don't know what my question really is <laughs> but like let's say i'm from reno okay and i'm a big fan of like rock music my dad was a big hard rock guy mm-hmm. and i know when i was younger we would go to a couple of of concerts like in small venues and they're like you know up-and-coming bands Mm -hmm. and uh i would always kind of get a little small venues always had this kind of this taste to me where sometimes like the the, i couldn't hear the vocalist at all and i would kind of i'm like i know this song but i can't hear the guy right and sometimes it's a good experience sometimes it's not yeah and uh i don't know if it's because of the venue or if it's because of the artist or, or how, yeah. or how that kind of, how that plays out. But. I think it kind of varies. I mean, you have to have like a good sound engineer mm-hmm. and, but every, yeah, I mean, every venue is different and there are some venues that have horrible like acoustics sure. and sound and like the whole thing is kind of weird. And so there, it's ironic that those are like venues, right? The yeah. way that they're set up like that. But yeah, there are definitely some venues that don't have a great, a great like natural sound to them yeah because then i just then i think like well it's because it's reno <laughs> <laughs> and if, uh, my my i was like la i'm sure being that there's more there's just more people and more more people legitimately doing it that i'm sure but there are still like some venues that are better than others when it comes yeah, yeah, to yeah. the yeah. sound and stuff even in la it's yeah it's a weird thing it's kind of like it is kind of this question where you're like, why, why does this room not sound very good? Mm-hmm. Like it's a venue, and so it should be the standard that it does, you know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But yeah, there are just some that don't. Um, so what's the what's it look like? Can you walk me through an event? And because I think you you've equated it to like I think you said like I miss I don't. Know, something about a smelly van and sweaty venues (laughs) (laughs) and like what's what does a day of a of a of a show look like like how how much time are you taking well um if we're talking like being on tour sure let's call it tour as opposed to la because la i'm here at my house until Mm -hmm. it's time to go to sound check but if you're on tour like you typically, you know, we're still, we're in vans, we're not in a bus, even when I've been touring with some other bands, uh, as like a keyboardist, it's all been in vans and not buses, so 
you know, you wake up in the city that you just played in mm-hmm. and you have to drive. And depending on where you're going, that'll affect how early you how early you leave, obviously. Um, but typically it's like you wake up, you drive, and you head in straight to sound check at the venue in the next mm-hmm. city. Mm-hmm. You do sound check, get everything unloaded, set up. And sound check is who's included in that process? Is it just the vocalist or No, it's the whole band. The, like you'll play so you unload do you unload every yeah, okay. you unload everything, get everything set up, mm-hmm. um, get all of your merch set up as well over in the merch area, okay. all that all kind right. of thing. Like really, yeah, just getting everything set up. Um, and you'll do a sound check, which is, yeah, the whole band. So you'll usually play through like a few songs or a snippet of each mm-hmm. song and try to go through like some different songs that might have different like sonic elements so that you can test how all of that sounds in the room because mm-hmm. some rooms are naturally like more bassy than others yeah. or have more high end or whatever. Um, and then, yeah. And then typically you'll like have a little bit of time between soundcheck and the show. And it depends on what order you are in the show too, because you soundcheck backwards, like the headliner soundchecks first, okay. because you're setting up like in front of those people's stuff, you know, like if you're the opener, the other band stuff is on the stage still so you're the last to sound right. check okay. then you leave your stuff on the stage then you play and take okay. your stuff off the stage okay that makes sense yeah so depending on what order you are in the show that'll kind of affect mm. when you're when you're checking so if you're the opener you're like the last to check and the first to play so you'll have like maybe an hour mm-hmm. like your mm-hmm. sound check will usually end like right when doors open <laughs> yeah. and then you have an hour to like scarf down some food yeah, and play yeah. the show but if you're headlining you know you'll have a couple hours which is always nice and then you can go get some dinner and then play the show and then afterwards you know you gotta go to the merch table and like talk to people and it's so funny. One of the bands I play in, they would always call it securing futures. So they're like, um, we're going to go secure our future by talking to fans. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, securing making those, those connections with people. But, um, yeah, you know, and that's always that's fun. Cool. And sometimes that ends up being a really late night. A lot of the times it doesn't because mm-hmm. you're just, you know, it's a job like anything else. It's, it is an amazing job and it's so fun. And you're so lucky to, you know, when you get to do that. But, you got to do it all again the next day. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes people like forget that when you're at the venue with them. Cause you know, they're just in that moment and so happy and excited to be there and everything. But you're like, I got to oh, get right, up right, at 6am right. and got another full day ahead. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. So I, you know, I've obviously had like fun and wild nights on the road, but it's never like, that's not the, the, the general lifestyle of any touring that I've done mm-hmm. where you're, like, out partying super late. Like, yeah, sometimes yeah. you do, of course. Like, yeah. it's life. But typically, it's, like, you're out of there as soon as you can. Mm-hmm. And not that you don't want to spend time with people and, you it's, know, and be appreciative. futures, but yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but it's, um, it's really easy to, like, get sick or just, like, feel, like, just absolutely oh, right, terrible right. the next day and stuff yeah. like that. So... Yeah, it's, I mean, it's exhausting. And quite frankly, like, it's not a sustainable lifestyle. Like, you can't, you can't do that, like, nonstop for Mm -hmm. years and years and years. And I think now because the live music industry, I mean, we'll see on the other side. Sure, sure. But, you know, and typically it's like 
live shows are kind of one of the only real ways to make money as an artist. Mm-hmm. So that's why you see, especially in the age of streaming, you see so many artists, like even bigger artists, just constantly on the road all the time. Because mm-hmm. that's like just how you make money and how you like make those connections with and people. That's, and that's primarily from the ticket sales or is that from the merch the merch store? Both. Or just I guess the combo yeah, just, is kinda just yeah, the biggest the yeah, biggest take. Exactly. So it's um yeah, but I don't know. It's it's not for everybody. I mean I know a lot of other artists and people that I that I work with who don't really love touring that much because mm-hmm. it is it's exhausting. It's work. It's work. You're away from home, from your you know, your significant other or your coffee shop that you like to go to like you know just the things about life um you're it's never home but I don't know for me I just I love it I you know I could do it all the time I think um you know maybe I won't say that when I am back to touring and I'm like on the road for a year nonstop. we'll see but but it's a it's just fun and and you know if you're touring with good people you know I've been super lucky to just tour with people who end up being like family to me and Mm -hmm. you know I I know some people who haven't been that lucky and who get tours and are playing with artists and it's not like that dynamic but extra work yeah but for me I've gotten super lucky where it's like all really really close people Mm -hmm. and so it's just fun, you know, and um, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's like a whole, it's a whole nother world. It's such a different lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. Any, I'm thinking about the the fan interaction moments. Because, like, when I think about, even when I've gone to support smaller shows mm-hmm. with people, that's back in Reno or something. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's hard to... Even in the smallest of settings, I feel like it's difficult to get that one-on-one with the artist. So how, how do you, I guess knowing that from being on the other side of it, how do you funnel through people and like get those experiences in and and how does that go? I think it's something where you just have to be like in those moments, you have to be really, really good at being present. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because it's something where, yeah, totally like you have multiple people who want to talk to you, but you also want to be like genuinely connecting with the mm-hmm. person in front of you and not like, eh, you know, <laughs> yeah. so I don't know. I mean, yeah. I think it, it just depends, but I try to make an effort to like be very present with somebody, but then to be like, kind of like segue the conversation yeah, towards an end to... at some point, you know, like, yeah. Oh, thank you so much for coming. Like, I hope you go home safe. Because I can see that somebody else is trying to get in there and mm-hmm. I want to give them time. So, yeah, you know, like having a genuine conversation with somebody, making sure that like I'm very present in what we're doing, but then kind of like checking myself of like, okay, it's been like 30 seconds, 30 seconds or one minute or however long <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, been. Yeah. Like, it's just there's an art to it on fl- there, flipping, there flipping into the next person. Totally. And uh, yeah, but yeah any any memorable experiences on on that where it's like or anything that comes to mind when uh i mean not necessarily like i've been lucky where like pretty much everybody that i have interacted with in that sense is really like respectful and sure you know understands that they're not the only ones trying to chat but you i mean i think in general like you do sometimes get those people who 
want to just like have a full on in-depth sure, conversation sure. with you for an hour and you're like, I can't, be too, <laughs> I can't. And you know, there are some people who yeah. you end up like chatting with and you're actually like, oh wait, like we have this thing in common and we are chatting about this and you like yeah. on occasion you do talk to people where you're like, I want to talk to this person more in depth. And sometimes, you know, randomly you'll be like, ah, like stay and have a drink with us after like whatever yeah, you know yeah. i've i've done that a couple times actually which is cool and then you you know those people you have that connection with them and they become lifelong fans and you genuinely enjoy mm -hmm. seeing them at shows and catching up and stuff but you know i think for the most part people are pretty respectful of the fact that well, you don't yeah i, I guess time. i was almost thinking about the experience of like not expecting to hear such a, a genuine compliment from somebody and like, or like something that maybe a normal fan wouldn't say and, and it like almost like a, like I imagine somebody says something to you and you're just like, oh my gosh, that brought me to tears. Thank you for that. I mean, yeah, there have, <laughs> been, there have been some moments where somebody will say, you know, that a song was really meaningful to them because it reminds them sure. of you know, somebody who's passed away or like a really meaningful moment in their life or things like that, you know, and yeah. that's always, it's cool. Um, it's like, you're like, you, you're like, it's something you sure you're talking about my song. It feels yeah, yeah. like you're it could be hard to process that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it's cool. And, and there's some people too, who are like, they really like, uh, there's this one girl who, um, she's she's super sweet and very cool she lives in pennsylvania and a band that i was playing with um this band i played with friendship we were opening for yeah, bastille yeah. a couple years ago and she and her friends came to like multiple shows in a row they're always in the front mm -hmm, row so mm -hmm. you like knew there and there's like a whole oh, yeah, there's yeah, a whole yeah. host of them and so now, like, you know, we know who they are and we, you know, we'll, like, interact on social media and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And one of them, she, like, <laughs> she, like, brought me, she'll, like, bring gifts. And she was working at Vans for a while. I don't know if she still is. She, like, brought me a pair of Vans <laughs> to a show and stuff like that. And it's, like, you know, those are, it's cute. it's cute and it's fun. And, you know, you remember those no, people. And yeah. someone like that, it's, like. It's kind of cool, too, because those people, they recognize typically that, like, you, most of the time they'll recognize that, like, they do have that connection with you. So they'll, like, stand to the side while other people chat. And then you'll, like, chat with them later and, yeah, like, have yeah. a drink and stuff. And so that's always fun. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that it's just kind of one of those things where you have to just be super present and, like, talk to people and care about them because I mean for me at least like I genuinely do like these are people who took mm -hmm. the time mm -hmm. to to come see me play come support who found my music throughout through some channel and you know that is really meaningful and so then I think it's when you make those genuine connections with people in those moments it's rare but it's cool yeah it yeah yeah no I think that's awesome yeah time time is um I don't know. It's I don't know why I'm saying a cheesy thing here, but you know, time is the is the greatest gift you can give anybody. Totally, so, totally. So yeah. And it's um don't want to take it for granted. Yeah. And sometimes it's 
easier than others and like I don't know there's definitely some times where you're like I've had times where I'm really really tired and like mm-hmm. just you know it's like the eighth show without a night off and you're like mm-hmm. exhausted and you just want you just want to go sleep to go sleep <laughs> and I've had times where I have like dipped out and not yeah yeah out of people and it's like you kind of feel bad and like but it's also you got to take no, care of you yourself. You got to be healthy. Yeah, so there's a balance for sure. But I think, you know, if you're not feeling like unwell and not up to up to it, like it's always worth going and, and chatting with people and yeah. you know giving them that time because they gave you theirs. Yeah. Cool. All mm-hmm. right. Random question. Okay. It's not really random. I wanted to in the article that I read on. Uh, where did I read it? Oh, the Merry Go Merry Go Round mm-hmm, magazine mm-hmm. article. They they pointed out a spot at your Spotify thing, where you describe your music at the bottom of the Spotify, and I noticed it changed from what they mentioned in the article. Okay. And I was going to ask you about why it changed. Interesting. So back when this came out, which was like when your album, yeah. when your EP dropped, uh, you described your music as songs to lay on the floor and cry to okay if you go there now it says songs you lay on the floor and scream to <laughs> so i was like you change cry to scream I I was at some point more angsty for sure <laughs> at some point yeah i don't but know if, if, is it accurate is, is either <laughs> one where do you i think i think it's something where for a while it was cry and then i was feeling more energetic and so then I was like, scream. <laughs> but I think they're interchangeable. I think typically... They're one and the same. They're they one and the be. same. You don't have to scream to be crying, but I think you have to cry to be really screaming. You have to... Okay. You know? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think I was just feeling scream more. Yeah, yeah. My, my imagination was like, oh, she probably read this article and, and didn't realize and kind of wanted to rebrand this whole... <laughs> It's like, no, I don't want you crying to my music. No, there wasn't that much thought put into that, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I could, I could tell. But, uh, but no, I thought it was interesting. I'm like, oh, well, enough thought was put in to change the wording of it. That's so true. That's true. Something was thought yeah. about there. But I thought that was kind of cool. Because I, it's always difficult trying to, I, I, I'm not a big, uh, genre, I'm not a big category guy mm-hmm. on, on trying to, everybody wants to categorize music or categorize yeah. your, the genre of your film like mm-hmm. oh like what do you make or what's right, your, what's your right. thing and then I don't know what your stock answer is to that but um, yeah I mean I it's changed over mm-hmm. time I used to be like it's grunge pop because it was okay I think <laughs> I don't know it was your interpretation now, of grunge yeah. pop now I'm calling it like emo indie rock with glitter okay because I think it's, yeah, it's one of those things where I think that giving people, like, a category, it can be helpful because it gives people, like, some idea of, like... Expectation. Expectation, yeah. And, like, oh, I love indie rock, so, as you know, like... Sure. That kind of thing is helpful, I think. But I also, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of intentionally... I. I think that my music has a sound because it's me and because it's mm-hmm. all coming from me, but I don't, I intentionally, 
like don't try to write to any specific genre like my new stuff yeah it doesn't necessarily have like one genre and i think that some of the songs sound like different from each other and i think that in general the record sounds like an evolution from the last it doesn't sound the same mm-hmm. um how different i don't know like... uh, okay so you, uh, you say evolution so it's more of yeah. All right. Yeah, you it's, know, it's, it's just it's not it's the same. Different. Yeah, it's the it's, same. Yeah, it's I not like it. I wrote the same. It's record. still you. Yeah, but exactly that's the thing. Like it's all me, and it all does sound cohesive because it's all me, mm-hmm. you know. And so, I think, yeah, I think in some ways genre is helpful for that kind of thing for people to sure. know what to expect. But I'm calling it, yeah, like something along. We'll figure it out. I'll let you know when it's sure, official. Sure. I like the glitter edition. Though. Yeah, like indie, like emo indie rock with glitter. Yeah. I think that's the vibe because I don't know. I've been. It just gives me more of a sense of like this particular like visual art palette and the sky and space mm. and a more like psychedelic visual palette in my brain. I don't think that it necessarily sonically reflects that. I don't know, but Sure, sure, but it's what you pull from. Yeah, and so I think um yeah, it's just like shimmery and glittery in my mind. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I think it makes sense when you hear it. I'll put it that way. Yeah. What is it like How do you battle with with the creation of your music and the evolution of yourself and the amount of time it takes to make the thing. Yeah. By the time you put it out, feeling like there's like yeah. a, a, not a proper sentence that I just no, asked. No, I know what you're asking though. Yeah. I mean, it's something where. How do you, it's how right. do you go it, about it? It's like, yeah, like you wrote something at one like, period like of you your said, life. Yeah. And you're like recording it and producing it in another period of your life. And by the time you've, like, put together, like, a release plan and a marketing strategy and all that kind of thing and you're releasing it, you're in a totally different part of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. Um, I think that, for me, I kind of have two answers. Because, okay. on the one hand, it's never, like, it doesn't necessarily feel like the songs are in the past. Because I may have written them in the past, they technically might be about something mm-hmm, of my mm-hmm. past. But then as I'm producing them, I'm producing them within the context of what I like sonically now. Mm-hmm. And then when I release it and I'm working on visuals for it and all of that kind of thing, you know, it's like a whole process. And I think that's similar with like a film, you know, it's like you're if you're going to write a it's film. It's a forever process. It's a forever yeah. process. And, they, and you're very close to it the whole time. Mm-hmm. And the way that you approach it is different with each step and so even if I wrote the songs like a year ago Mm -hmm. if I'm releasing the record they're still relevant to me now because it's the way that I have been putting this whole thing together Mm -hmm. you know so in that sense I don't necessarily find that it like feels like this whole thing of the past but also on top of that I will say like if you were if you have like the whole record done and put together and it's like you know, it's got its nice bow on it. Like the songs are all done. The videos are done. All that's left to do is like create a smart strategy and release it. Mm -hmm. You can kind of take like your creative and emotional brain out of that and be like, like, at least that's my plan with this record. It's like, everything's going to be done before we release it. 
And so, yeah, I'm going to be releasing mm -hmm. the music and promoting it and doing all of that. But as far as my creative brain, I'm going to already be like working on new stuff and writing and all yeah. that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So I think it's kind of like, it's like different tracks. And as a record moves from the writing track to the production track to the release track, it also shifts the different like mental and emotional um, labor that goes into each of those. Yeah. And like when you're promoting it, yeah, there's a lot of like work that goes into promoting it, but maybe like, yeah, you don't have to focus as much on like the emotional creative in that mm -hmm. element. I mean, you can be like writing newer stuff. Yeah, I guess like I think about in the, if you were doing the live performances, mm -hmm. I always think about, I guess it's because like I read this book, <laughs> I got back into reading last November and one of my first books back was called Daisy Jones and the Six. Mm -hmm. And it's like this fictional book about these artists in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And it's told in this way. It's like interview style where you just get insights from all the, the band members and everything throughout these years. And one thing that was one of the critiques of one of the like background members, not the, not the lead singers, but she was talking about how she couldn't be a singer-songwriter. She didn't want to break off and do her own thing because of the, the pressures of putting yourself out there and having to relive those moments over and over and over again for the world right. and having to constantly draw from that from that stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. I guess that's more of what I'm curious about too is like those, those, those different parts of your brain, but when you're performing the song... Like, I don't know if the if you've grown, if there's like this inner evolution where you're singing and you're like, this isn't, this isn't really me anymore, but I have to pull from the old version of me. Or sometimes. It, or, I think it's also, I think, yes, sometimes you have to pull from that, like, headspace that you yeah. were in. I also think that songs evolve. Like, right, right. It might technically be about something that happened last year or whenever, but, you know just as the listener takes their mm -hmm. own meaning and interpretation you can do the same you can do the same with your own songs you know it might now like i have some songs that i performed a lot on tour where i much more now think of i associate them with like tour memories more so than i associate them with a particular with the original with the original thing or like you know maybe i'm going through something where it's bringing that emotion out again, even mm -hmm. if it's about something else, mm -hmm. you know, or with a different person or whatever that is. And so I think, um, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I mean, that feels like, I guess probably the, I was gonna say the healthiest way of going about it where it's just well, kind of a natural. Yeah. I think that's kind of like the way that most people do go about it okay. because, you're always sure you can always like tap in and try to relive some of those moments. But I think like, you know, as we go through life, it's just like, you're going to go through other stuff, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know? So when you're singing something, you might in your mind be thinking of something completely different than what the song is mm -hmm. about, but it's giving mm -hmm. you that emotional uh, foundation. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm just enjoying the sun right now. The sun feels really good. I know, it's really like kind good. of perfect right now. We're in the sun, it's not too windy. It's so nice. It's gonna go like behind it. the trees soon. But, I know. Um, I did want to ask about when I think about myself creatively and um, transitioning, I, I'm curious about your transition from EP to EP. I guess, okay, you've been pursuing music your entire life, mm -hmm. according to you. I have been pursuing film for, let's say, like seven years. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how different it is for you being that it's been your, your first track for, for so long, mm -hmm. but I have, I don't have this issue often, but like I, I just made my first feature and that process took forever. So by the time I got, I'm getting to the end here on putting it out, mm -hmm. I look back on it and I look at the, how much growth I've had since I started and it's tougher. I don't know if it's tougher, but it's hard to kind of think about me now, what I would have done differently if I can go back right. and make certain decisions creatively. I'm like, oh, like I've, I've grown and I've learned so much. I could utilize all this knowledge. Right. And it's, cause you can't really, change much you you shot what you shot you can edit it and stuff and, and make it work yeah. but um it is interesting picking up new tools and new tricks along the way and utilizing them in future projects yeah and then understanding where you're at when you made it so i don't know how much that plays into what you're doing and, and i guess that's kind of like the evolution of of your ep to ep right like yeah you don't you don't do you look back on your, your old stuff and being like, oh, I could have done much better? Or is it no, more the... No, I don't. Because don't I do think that... that <laughs> I think that... Um, I think that it's great quality, but maybe I personally just didn't know as much of who I was as an artist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I don't even know. Like, it's who I was at the time. No, you know? right, right, And so right. for me... You know, I think that, I think maybe it's different than in film, because I think in film, maybe it's like you as a filmmaker have picked up these different like tricks and tools yeah, like from the technical of, aspects. Right, which you could incorporate as well. Yeah, and I, I too have, because I've been getting more into production and just like getting, you know, more experimental with various, you know, genres or ways of playing or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, and in five years, I'm going to sure. have that. You know what I <laughs> yeah, mean? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, like, I think it's well-produced. I think the quality's great. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah, maybe I didn't have the same, like, artistic outlook or the same, like, knowledge of my instrument or of my, uh, my own production skill or whatever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's who I was at the time, and then Wax is who I was then, and I'm still proud of that record, but I'm – more proud and excited about this current one and i and i hope that that <laughs> yeah. continues to be the case yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with each for sure. one i mean the goal should be that your work gets better with every project right and you're always doing the best that you can with what mm -hmm. you have available yeah. exactly so yeah i mean i don't really look at no I'm, sure i look at maybe some like older older stuff of like high school me and stuff where i'm like wow that's so bad but yeah, it's yeah, also yeah, like yeah. okay but i'm like a child just figuring it out. Um, yeah, I guess I guess more for me, I, or maybe what I'm, maybe what I'm referring to. I don't, I don't even know. But I guess being that my thing isn't out yet, 
it's a weird feeling to have right. going into the release of it and being like, oh, people are going to watch this and think that I just made this like yesterday. But really, I wrote it two years ago. And like, it's kind but of I like think, a weird. I mean, I think that anybody in film and like, especially like as somebody who's like working on getting more recognition in the film industry and spreading the word about your work and meeting more people, I think anybody in film knows that it's sure, a years long sure. process yeah you know maybe a random person the will average be like, viewer they just did that but <laughs> yeah. you know i think that anybody who uh who knows film will know that this is like a long process and that the next thing you make will be yeah. even better and then the yeah. next thing will be even better and so yeah. on and so forth yeah i think so too yeah but still but still but i get it yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i totally get that mindset i think it's something that i I think I used to feel that way more no, and then but... I kind of just was at one point it was like something that I worked on honestly where I was like I can't you just... No, your stuff is I mean really good so <laughs> so I, I yeah I was gonna okay what I don't know you're probably I don't are you teasing anything about the new EP in any capacity like what is there anything new and exciting that you're doing yourself as an as a as a creative like even if it's a small thing, like a like you're gonna try to rap on one of your things or in a chorus or there's nothing like crazy. that. There's nothing crazy <laughs> like that. But no, I mean I think it's just something where it's um it's just like good music that I was really hands on with and you know, I um had a really hands on role in all of the production mm -hmm. and the making of all of it and it's just yeah. very much me right now and yeah, I mean I haven't even like officially announced that it's coming out. I've I've been telling people that I've been working on yeah, new yeah, music yeah, and yeah. stuff. So but yeah, I mean, no, there's no there's no like uh shtick. <laughs> sure. For sure. Sure. It's just uh it's just the natural progression in the growth of, of yeah, Talker. Yeah, and I just and, think it's, like, the, really, really the good. New, the new awesome stuff. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. Like, and that's, you know, I will say, like, my, kind of my MO with it, the whole process is, like, as I kind of mentioned, the goal is to have, like, all of the songs fully done, mm -hmm. mixed and mastered, have a few of the videos already, like, done, like, I mean, it's already November, but, like, I'm hoping to be working on those like pretty soon i mean we'll see but um you know it, it also with covid it's like so it's mm -hmm. hard to get stuff done yeah, yeah, i'm lucky yeah. that my roommate's boyfriend is also a, a great filmmaker so he's like in my covid circle so i'm like you have to do all of my content yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. um but yeah just kind of like having everything done and ready to go and that doesn't mean like every little last thing has to be done but having it ready to go where I can really like set myself up for success in the best mm -hmm. way of like the songs are done the videos are done we have a really smart timeline and release plan and I don't have to be like scrambling to keep up and be finishing stuff for the record as I'm releasing singles you know like yeah. that's what I want to avoid mm -hmm. and I've had that in the past and it's just like you know at the end of the day like you want to be able to give like let's say some like journalist wants to hear the whole record ahead of time or hear a sampler or something like that like you want to be able to just like give them everything yeah, and yeah, yeah. not be like so glad you liked the song more to come in two months like yeah, yeah. you know no for sure okay yeah
I'll, I'll jump to the big question. It's not really the big question, but... Oh, I'm excited. It's, no, it's a stressful one. I'm just curious about what the dream is. The dream? Yeah, what's the... What's the... What's the... What's the goalpost that that you've that you've said that you're kind of creating toward is that is that a thing that you do or is it it is and it isn't because I think that maybe in the past it was and it still is in some ways but yeah I mean it is complicated because I think I want you know the the goalpost let's say the dream is to just make music not have to worry about other so oh gosh sorry <laughs> not have to worry about other things like make music tour be able to play like big shows mm-hmm. and have a career just making music and playing shows to people and touring but it's also something where i want that but i also want to be able to like have flexibility like live a life that just like makes me happy mm-hmm. and I think that I'm kind of more in a place where like I do have that goal post you know what I mean like I want to be selling out Red Rocks and playing shows and you know stuff like that like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah and anybody mind you like uh, yes this is a generalization sure but like I'm sorry anybody who says that they like don't want to do that I'm like, you're lying because, like, we all, if you're playing shows, like, you want to be playing big shows. Right. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you did say there were people that hate the tour, the touring. Totally, so they, totally. they probably don't want the big, maybe but maybe not. they, maybe they don't like that version of the touring, but if it were the bigger scale, right. they'd be totally in. Yeah. Like, who knows? I, yeah, I, I have no qualms about saying, like, yeah, I want all of that. Yeah. Very much. But I also, it's something where, you know, I want that and I'm working towards that. And like you, like you mentioned, like I, I, I hustle it a lot. Like I do. Um, but I also like want to, yeah, like enjoy my life. I think that there's a balance where like, I think that some people are like, you kind of have to like, they have this mentality that, like, if you're not willing to, like, eat shit until it happens, mm. that you don't want it bad enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I can, like, enjoy my life and have, like, a great oh, life right, right, while right. working towards that, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think there's kind of a balance where there is the goalpost, but there's also, like, not to sound too cheesy, but, like, it is so much about that journey and, like, the ways in which you build and, like... My goal is not to be playing tiny clubs for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But if my life worked out to the point where I was touring all the time, playing tiny clubs with my friends to small, a um, small amount of fans that love my music, I wouldn't reject that. Yeah. You know, like I like this tour that I did in January. It was like the first like talker tour because I've toured a ton, but like with other people, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is the first like talker tour. And yeah, we were playing small rooms, but people came and I was with my best friends and like playing shows and traveling. And I was like having the time of my life and I was like super happy. And I was like, yeah, this is all that I want to do ever, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's a long way of answering your question, but no, like, it's, yeah, it's there's good. a goalpost, but also like, I just want to be doing all of that on the way there. Yeah. I mean... 
that always, the process is what yeah. I is what I always because you said you gotta what would you say about the eating shit or you don't deserve the filet Some, mignon something or something like, like that. yeah it's that so, kind of thing right so because I mean it's true because it is hard yeah and it is work and if you're not enjoying the process and it like if you're doing it for an outcome if you're doing it to get the the big show later on but you don't enjoy the process of getting there yeah. then then what's the point of even doing it because the right. process is the, the 99.9 percent of the yeah. of the work so. and i just like i just don't think that i have to like be like taking every single session taking every single thing like writing 10 songs a day with different people right, staying right. up till 2 a.m working like i just don't really think that that lifestyle is necessary <laughs> to make good art no of course not i think if anything it makes your life only about writing music as opposed to living your life mm -hmm. and i'm like i don't want to hear songs about writing songs i right, want to hear songs right, about right. life experiences yeah yeah so yeah there's a balance and i think i kind of think ironically enough i do believe that it's kind of one of those things about letting go where it's like the less you try to control that outcome mm -hmm. just like you're writing yeah it's like the less you try to control it that's when stuff starts happening because mm -hmm. you're i think you're opening yourself up to more opportunities and like saying yes to more things that maybe might seem like they're outside of the wheelhouse or whatever it might be that ends mm -hmm. up opening the, another door and it's um yeah i don't know i'm just trying to kind of practice letting go right now yeah. kind of going back to what i was saying earlier too of like freaking out that i hadn't released more music this year but then being like no i should just like keep my head down and write great music and then release it next year it's like the same thing it's like mm -hmm. just do what feels right and not you know i want to put in the work i want to set myself up for success do everything that is within my power and within my control you know, I, I think that you do have to, like, have right. that responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, like, letting it go and seeing where it lands. So I had a random question that I was thinking about during that. Yeah. But were you in school back in the day? <laughs> what kind of studier were you? Like, were you a cram at the end or did you would you do diligence and pay attention in class take good notes were um, you the overnight crammer i was i was more of like the take take notes and pay attention in class type like i wasn't too much of a crammer yeah um but it definitely depended on the i think it depended on the class oh yeah you know like it depended on if i was like into the subject or if i just like absolutely did not want anything to do with it mm -hmm. but i yeah i was not a crammer I think I was for a while in high school, and I quickly learned that you just, it's so much more stressful. Yeah. So, you, yeah. Oh, no, 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 You, no, you, yeah. you kind of described, because um, you were saying the writing 10 songs every day and doing this and doing that. That kind of reminded me of the uh, the people in school that would brag about uh, pulling an all-nighter before the big right, exam. Right, And I'm like, I'm like, I guess... I was never able to do that because at a certain point, there's nothing that goes in. Like, yeah. you don't retain anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just exhausted. So, so I'm like, there's no, way, there's no way that works. Right, right. So just go to sleep. Show up. You're going to know what you're going to know. And, I uh, think, you know, I think too, like. It's my life <laughs> mentality. I think that the music industry is like, 
There are a lot of people, a lot of, I think because of Spotify and streaming, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who have like a song that goes viral on Spotify or like a song that does well or they have their EP or whatever. They're very like, or they're just like, oh my God, like TikTok stars mm, who then mm. like get record deals, stuff like that. That's all fine and dandy. I have nothing against them. Some of them are great, you know, and talented. But I think that when you're looking at timeless artists and people who are going to be like the next wave of Bowie or the Rolling Stones, Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. like it's people who aren't going through that machine. It's people who are just making their art and doing their thing. Because that's the kind of thing that stands out. That's the kind of thing that's authentic. And that's the kind of thing that's timeless, you know? It's like a TikTok star can put out a song that has, you know, production that's very, like, 2020 and sounds like the year 2020. Mm-hmm. And there's a place for that. And I love some of that, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's fun. But I think that when you're looking at artists that are going to stand the test of time... Again, it's just artists that are doing their own thing and doing what feels right to them and waiting for their moment. Yeah, yeah. And taking it. That's the weird thing, I guess, in general, in media that I, I'm not sure what your opinion may be on. But when you talk about, like, the Bowie of our time or and those, those kinds of personalities that, that make it and last, like, how does one navigate the vastness of... Because it's, it's like a different time, too. It's mm-hmm. like there's so much available mm-hmm. and standing out. Like, I have my answer to it, but how? what's, what's your take on tackling that stressful, the stressful thing? I mean, it, it could, you, you might be repeating yourself on, like, just letting go, and I don't, but I, I don't did, know if there's anything different yeah, in there. I mean, okay, I think a couple things. I think one thing is, like, being consistent and mm-hmm. that's gonna be my answer yeah yeah yeah. being consistent. consistent like for example i'm on tiktok i'm terrible at it i have mm-hmm. like 20 followers on tiktok <laughs> like i don't do it sure and i'm like if i wanted to i probably could like make some good tiktok content put out like three or four tiktoks a week be building shit up and maybe maybe i will mm-hmm. you know maybe i'll try to do that for a few months I'm, I'm before the record fan, yeah but yeah <laughs> but you know what i mean it's like yeah, 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 yeah. i think you kind of have to do all or nothing where it's like either you're on it or you're not and so with tiktok i'm like okay i'm either gonna delete my tiktok but for music it is you know it is a good way to get your music out there mm-hmm. if you can get a tiktok that does really well and has your music in it like honestly like a bunch of like, yeah i've heard about or, that yeah i forgot who was talking about it but like having tiktok stars do stuff to your music yeah like stuff all that like kind that. of yeah. yeah exactly so you know there is a place for it in music and i probably should like get with it and make a plan i just feel like i'm so busy and i'm like uh, i don't know but no there's so much yeah but i think yeah consistency and then i also think like while it's important to stand out and be unique Again, it's, like, I think it's less about having a viral moment and more about, like, just building up fans. And unfortunately, like, you know, a lot of that comes from touring. And But even just, like, people who listen to your music and find you, it's, like, I think it's less about trying to stand out and go, like, be viral and and get all these, like, random followers and more about having, like, a genuine 
relationship with the people who do follow you mm -hmm. and having those interactions that are meaningful on social media with those people and then you know building a community from there because if you have a community let's say you have 10,000 followers on Instagram if all of those people are like people who are invested in, in your music invested in your community that's a lot more meaningful than having a hundred thousand followers who don't really like give a fuck about what you do mm -hmm. you know right yeah but I know I agree 100% I mean that's kind of, I mean that's all we can do technically as well right like when you think about yeah. I guess to de-stress myself in those moments thinking about oh my gosh all this video content everywhere all the time right. how how are you whatever so the thought is like all right all I can do is be consistent continue growing learning making stuff and the other thing is being awesome mm -hmm. which is the other aspect too right. you have to yeah. be consistent and also good at what you do yeah. and then you just keep going yeah and like i don't know when it comes to like the social media side of it versus like putting out songs consistently mm -hmm. when it comes to social media it's like it just kind of takes one thing to like weirdly do well my friend she is on tiktok she um she's she's always TikToking and it's I'm like ah oh, I like envy her because she's really good at it she doesn't like put that much thought into it she's one of those people yeah, that yeah. just like I feel like that's the has, best way to go yeah, about it yeah it's just like funny random dumb things but every now and then she'll get one that like just goes and flies mm -hmm. you know and does its thing and it's like you know I think it's weird it's weird it's weird how that works I know yeah how do you I guess to kind of keep that going a little bit. Any advice? I found at some point I was trying to search stuff or trying to find videos or your website or something and searching talker is very difficult to find stuff. How do I, how do you, how does any advice for like, well, I mean, what I do is I tell everybody that my, like, social handles are all Talker Celeste. Yeah. So if somebody searches Talker Celeste, I come up. Okay. And, yeah, I mean, again, I think it's, like, consistency. Like, the longer you're doing it, like, my SEO has gotten way better in the oh, last nice. two years than it was, before, like, at the start. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, like, there's still just, like, a bunch of stuff to shit, to, to sift through. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah. But it is, but it is cool. Like I, I almost, I mean, I thought it, I, th I thought I'd be overdoing it, but I have your talker. I have the talker hat. Love it. And uh, I wear it on set because I, I, I primarily work as a script supervisor, which is more of a, a chiller position that doesn't get much attention. Mm -hmm. So like, I like having the bright, the bright yeah. cap to be to be spotted if I'm needed. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a, I like the, <laughs> I, I like the multi meaning of it too. Like it's it's yeah. a chill. Like, it's not, I mean, the color's loud, but the word on it, talker, people have to ask what it means and right. where it goes, and then I'm like, oh, it's an indie artist that yeah. I'm a fan of. But it also plays a double meaning of, like, I'm the quiet guy on set, too, mm -hmm. and my thing says talker, so it's kind of like yeah. a weird, <laughs> a weird like, thing hey, for talker. me. talker. Yeah. Huh. But that's cool. I love that, so, yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> What's going on? How are you doing over there? Are you holding up? Any pee break or anything? Oh, yeah. You no, good? I'm, I'm chilling. It's nice. Yeah. Um, it's honestly, like, really nice out despite 
like the wind chill. Yeah, once you get the blanket on, the it's blanket, good. I know. The blanket's added a lot. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask. I'm very curious about. No, well, maybe it's, there's nothing much there, but um, you talk about friendship, playing keyboard for them, and your experience with getting to be more on the auxiliary experience, watching them make decisions mm -hmm. and watching or other other or the other bands that you've toured yeah. to make decisions and incorporating what you learn in the process. Um, I mean, I do the similar thing with directors. Like yeah. my job is auxiliary to them and I assist them and I get to watch them make decisions right. all day and yeah. utilize that in my own work. So I was curious about some of the best advice that, or let's say, let's, let's think about like, how often do people reach out to you and ask for advice on 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 music um what is, what honestly like people do reach out and ask for advice and sometimes i sometimes i respond sometimes i don't because i'm sure. like in the middle of something and i yeah. just happen to see it but it's funny because i don't really have good advice you only have bad advice <laughs> i just don't have any advice i don't know i'm kind of like oh my shoe i'm kind of I'm kind of like, like I said, I mean, it's just like not the answer that you want to hear ever, right? It's like, just kind <laughs> be of... Consistent be, cons work. be consistent and work. Be consistent, work, and like, then let go and let, thing, let the chips fall where they may. Mm -hmm. Because it's true, like, honestly, like, I, like, getting involved with friendship was just like a random stroke of yeah. timing and like meeting the right person at the right time. And then it also was like being good and like being a good player but then also being like a good bandmate and someone who like was like I was super new to the music industry at the time so I really just like wanted to be a sponge and learn and like yeah, yeah. all that kind of thing and so yeah okay. there wasn't like a thing that I did and so, so that's kind of what I tell so, people and I hate getting that advice <laughs> mind you so well, yeah so I hate giving that advice but okay. I'm like that's what it is just be a sponge yeah and just like do your thing like go to everything meet people work hard and then like those things are gonna those stars will align at the mm -hmm. right moment when they're mm -hmm. supposed to you know yeah Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, that's... I've talked... Uh, I've, I've, only, I've only mentioned this once before on the podcast, but I think about... No, I had the opportunity of talking to one of the, the biggest people that I look up to. And, like, a, um, I'm a big fan of the Marvel movies. And it's my, my goalpost is directing a Marvel movie. And I got to talk to the producer of Marvel Studios oh, cool. for a brief moment at a at a Q at a Q and A thing, and I was I asked him like what like what could I do for you to hire me as a director, and he just like <laughs> his answer was just make something cool. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, of course that's your right. advice. <laughs> just be good. Yeah, and... because it is like there's no. <laughs> 
there's no formula. There's no what you know step by step plan. Like everybody's journey is so different. Yeah, and 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 even people in positions don't necessarily know what they're what they want to hear totally. or what. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So yeah. you just make something cool. Yeah. And it's... and I and I do believe that. Like if you are consistently putting out really good work and doing the work of like promoting it, mm-hmm. meeting people, networking, like the opportunities will come. Yeah. I, I do believe that. I believe it. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the the real world? Do you have any strong opinions? How do you I have feel? strong opinions. <laughs> I know you. But... <laughs> I mean, look, I here's what I'll say. For everybody wondering, we're recording this on November 7th, the day after Biden's announced the oh, winner of the election. Correction, it's the 8th. Oh, it's the 8th. I don't know what time <laughs> in life is. November 8th. Thank you. Sunday, Biden was projected the winner of the election yesterday. I don't like the wording of that. Like, I don't like projected winner. I hate that wording, but... It feels like it's not final yet. I mean, it is. Look, the fact of the matter is that, like, there's going to be litigation. There are always recounts, mind you. There's going to be litigation. They don't have a case. Biden doesn't even... First of all, he's won Pennsylvania by so much, but he Mm -hmm. doesn't even need Pennsylvania to win the election, is the other thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Recounts usually end up getting you like an extra hundred votes. Sure. So it's or just less, kind of or sure. less. So it's just kind of like the thing about that is like I think that the Trump camp they know that litigation. So cold no, yeah, here. go for it. They know that litigation isn't going to change anything. They just want to rile up their supporters. Oh yeah, that's what, that's, it, that's what it's and about. It's working, and it's working totally. So it's like. You know, I, here was my, this was kind of my thought yesterday. It was like, I am really, really happy that Biden won the election. I am overwhelmed with relief that Trump did not win. Because a Trump win. That's scary. It's scary. And it would just, you know, it would be. It's just a lot of unknowns. It's a lot. Well, I don't even know if it's unknowns. It's like. Kind of. I think four, I know. Four it's years like, is a long time. A lot could happen. <laughs> I think that we know exactly. It's like an emboldened President Trump with no worry about getting reelected. Can mm. just, you know, a second term presidency. It's like he can just do whatever he wants. It's just like I, 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 I think that it would just have been really bad. I think we can all agree. <laughs> Those of us who are not Trump supporters can all agree that it would have been very bad. But, you know, for me, I think the issue is less it's like I'm very happy that Biden was reelected or excuse me was elected and um, mm-hmm. I think it's super important but there's also still half of the country that voted for Trump and I think that while Trump was a terrible president and is a terrible mm-hmm. person I think that Trump is not really the problem like I think that Trump is a symptom of a disease, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think that that disease still exists. It's just that, you know, I think that getting Trump out of office is a really important step because he's not able to like. I I think that I think no matter what party it is, once you're not the president president anymore, you become irrelevant. Like, sure, we all love to hear from Barack Obama. 
but he's not like relevant. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's not the president anymore. He has good stuff to say. He helped campaign for Biden. But he's not the president of the country. Sure, sure. And so I think with Trump, it's like, I think it's an important step to get him out of office. I think it's important that the leader of our, the leader of our nation is no longer like spreading dangerous rhetoric, dividing our nation, being a terrible diplomat and causing problems with other countries and like ruining allyships. I think that's all really important. So I think that like getting Biden in was like so essential to our country's survival and our democracy's survival. But I think I think that Biden and his team have a really, really tricky task ahead of de-radicalizing people. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. You know, I think for me it's tough. Like, I and you know, we can get into it or not i don't know what your level of wanting to talk about shit is but for me it's like you know i have some family members that support trump and i also have family members that do not but it's difficult because i understand that not everybody who voted for trump is like what we think of when we say a trump supporter Mm -hmm. you know there are people who have their thing about the economy or their thing about yada 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 they have their they have their one thing or whatever yeah But for me, it's really difficult because I think that in an election like this one, you can't really be a single-issue voter. You know, if Trump lowered your taxes by a thousand bucks, that's great. But your ticket is also including, like, (laughs) family separation, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. peeling back women's rights, peeling back LGBTQ rights, keeping corporations from having to pay federal income tax, keeping healthcare away from millions. And so it's like, I get that you think that Trump gave you a slight tax cut, but you can't be a single issue voter Mm -hmm. in an election like this. Mind you, Trump's tax bill, I was listening to, um, to like a breakdown of like what he had and hadn't done based Mm -hmm. on his original platform, just like objectively looking like this is what he ran on. And these were the things that he did or didn't do. And it was like, you know, he did pass his tax law that he said he was going to pass. It did give middle class, like, working Americans an extra, like, one to $2,000. But it's like, it was like a trick, honestly, because it was like, sure, it gave lower middle class people a slight tax break while allowing for corporations to pay nothing in federal income tax. Right, you right. know, it was like, it was like, look here and not here, you know. Which has always been the strategy. Which has always been the strategy. So, like, that in itself, I'm like, this wasn't good policy anyway. But, yeah, I think that for me it's hard. Like, my my uh, relatives who, who vote for Trump, like, you know, I know that, for example, like, sorry, my dad is inevitably probably going to listen to this because he listens to everything that I do because mm-hmm. he's very supportive and loving and I love him. But Hi, Dad. Hi, Dad. But, like... I know, for example, that my dad is, like, we've talked about it, and he's kind of one of those people who's, like, you know, when it comes to social issues, he's, like, it's not really my business, like, if somebody wants the right to have an abortion, like, it's not really my decision to make, Uh, it's not my business what someone's gender identity is, and it's, like, I don't think that that's as good as being, like, I firmly believe that you should have pro-choice, and I firmly believe in in marriage mm-hmm. equality and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's also the type of person where he's like, I don't really have a problem with that at all. Like, your business is your business. 
So it's like he's not like this like stereotype like the stereotype of like a hateful Trump supporter. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. there are millions of people that are just like that. And so it's hard because while I recognize that, it's like I said, you can't really be a single issue voter in this kind of an election. Well, ideally, you're never a single issue voter. Totally. But I but guess it's, somebody, heightened, it's heightened here. Yeah. yeah, I mean, somebody who really cares about the economy or something like that. You can't, the ticket comes yeah. with too much other yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, um, so anyway, the whole point of kind of what I was getting at is like, you know, for me, it's kind of hard to be like, yeah, let's all come together. Let's unify. Because as much as I don't think division mm -hmm. is healthy, mm -hmm. I also am like, if somebody voted to like, vote against all basic rights, for me and a lot of people I know, mm -hmm. I can't really reconcile that with wanting to like be nice to them. <laughs> you know, it's it, I mean, because it's it's a tough it's a tough thing because it's kind of weird. Like California, I was looking at the stats. I think California was like sixty something percent Democrat. Yeah, but overall, as a nation, it's still so close. Yeah. Which is weird. Like it's, it's, weird. it's weird to think that many people found a found some sort of logic on voting yeah. voting for Trump. But I think sorry. No, I was gonna say, but I, I equate it to like what you said, the single issue thing and it's the human nature of the selfish the selfish mm -hmm. just human nature yeah. thinking of or even just the even just the being turned off by the loudness of of certain groups and it's mm -hmm. like just despite them i'm gonna vote this other right, way right so it's either a negative reason i mean selfishness is kind of negative in the first place too yeah but, but i think america also is like such an individualistic just, yeah. society 100 percent. that it, it's like it's the masks all over again it, it, well exactly that's why we're literally doing the worst in the world with the pandemic mm -hmm. there's no collectivism there's no you know I might not feel sick, but I could be carrying something, and I don't know if that person's immunodeficient or not, so I'm going to wear a mask for them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same thing. It's not voting with, like, the greater good and others in mind. And, um, yeah, it's... Um, and I think that Trump also did a really, really good job of dividing people and painting the left as, <laughs> like, communists and, like, far far left socialists mm -hmm. when in reality like you know i think that there's a balance and quite frankly joe biden is like so centrist i mean like mm -hmm. in certain ways he may as well be a republican you know what i mean like he's it's just kind of this funny thing where i'm like and kamala harris is like a cop and a prosecutor and like not you know doesn't have the most like mm -hmm. leftist background by any means you know her track record is very centrist as is biden's and so it's kind of this funny thing where it's like i think a lot of people i i i know a ton of people who are really unhappy that biden had the democratic nomination and like a lot of people would have preferred bernie sanders or elizabeth warren i mean i voted for bernie in the primaries mm -hmm. but i think that Trump did a magnificent job of painting Biden as a socialist, <laughs> uh -huh. which just like isn't going to happen. And like, and quite frankly, too, like 
the way that it stands now, not that I think it's a good thing, but like the way that it stands now with the Supreme Court being six to three conservative and the Senate being a conservative majority, it's like, there's just no world in which like... I think the Senate just moved to even. Well, the, yeah, I mean the Senate, it's the two runoff races in Georgia are going to decide Senate control. Yeah. So like we can hope that they'll be Democrat like control 48, so 48 that or whatever. Biden can actually get some stuff done, but... It's just funny, like, anybody who looks at his policies will see that they're great policies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I just don't really know. Like, it's like, yeah, people will just believe anything that they're told, which, again, I think that is human nature. I think that people don't have the time to do research. I think a lot of people just aren't as directly mm-hmm. engaged. I think that a lot of people have the privilege of not being affected by politics that much. So it's like, I get it, mm-hmm. but doesn't make it okay yeah so yeah i have some opinions (laughs) (laughs) no it's good like i think about like okay i politics has come up a couple times on the podcast and i'm always trying to figure out how to navigate through it yeah because i was realizing it's a it's hard to have a productive discussion when let's say the power that we have is our vote Mm -hmm. we're not we're not we're not really here to like directly pass legislation or like work in the whatever like i don't it's it's a difficult thing knowing i mean you've definitely explored it more than i have on like using your voice to to push for voters and Mm -hmm. which is awesome and you're you're doing a lot of work over i mean you've done a lot of work (laughs) and yay california (laughs) But, uh, like, like I guess, well, how do you, what's, what's your thought on, on, I guess, to continue your verbiage on, like, curing the disease, <laughs> curing the but disease? Like, I don't know how we cure this disease. Because, like, for me, it comes down to, to personal principles, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of uh, accountability. Yes. So, I like to hold myself accountable and do things that I say I'm going to do and, like, show up on time and, like, all that kind of stuff is important to me. So, if, you, if, if I just, like, view, like you said, if you look at Biden's policies, you can, you can just, all right, just look at, look at what he's proposing and, and just make your own opinions. Yeah. And then it's kind of the weird mental gymnastics that some people do to look at Trump and what he's saying mm-hmm. and what he's done over years and flip it in some sort of way of like, oh, he's doing his best or like it's a weird thing yeah. that how can you not see, like, I guess with accountability, I mean, that's the issue with politics and politicians in general is it's kind of the history of the system is saying one thing and doing another, but I think that I mean, I have. So a f- I don't know. Yeah, I have a few thoughts on it, and I don't sure. know like how organized they're gonna sound because they all kind of were coming <laughs> in as you were talking, like oh that and that and that. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I think, I think there's a few things. I think the first is right, like your own personal accountability. Right. I think that, I th- okay. Despite what I said of like, it's hard for me to wanna like extend that olive branch to anybody who voted for Trump and like mm-hmm. voted for somebody who I think is like the worst president in our nation's history and was like taking us into fascism territory Mm -hmm. and like ruining our democracy. Um, At the same time, like 
yeah, it's you're not going to have a productive conversation with somebody by demonizing them. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a fact. And so the thing is, I don't necessarily have any interest in like having that conversation with people I don't know. Uh, unless it's like an organic thing. But I think that if everybody can like talk to their family members and in a loving, empathetic way, I think that is something that may or may not yield a result, but that's something that you can do that's like less daunting than taking on the entire (laughs) force of people who voted for Trump. You know, it's like talk to your family members and just like chat about like in an empathetic way about why they felt that way and like the pros and cons and seeing if Mm -hmm. you can like get any message through. Yeah, yeah. And then I think also just like your own personal, I think, I think while that's important and helpful, I don't know that like not everybody's going to be able to change their family's opinions on something. That's just the name of the game. But I, I do think that's important. And then I also think that like your own personal activism is important because it's really easy to feel like, you don't have a loud enough voice or like mm-hmm. your actions mm-hmm. aren't important enough to make a difference but it's just so not true we hosted like a few outdoor like distanced phone banks here over the past couple months we registered voters in arizona telling people to vote for mark kelly for the senate mark kelly won mm. i'm not gonna say it was all our efforts sure, but sure. <laughs> And we called into Pennsylvania, and we were just, like, focusing on voter registration, Mm. getting Democrats registered to vote, because a lot of people just don't vote. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so it's, like, I think that if you can, like, just be active in sharing information Mm -hmm. and just trying to reach out to as many, like, people who are on your side and real like make them realize that their voice matters Mm -hmm. that makes a big difference but yeah I don't know and as far as like the social media thing it's like yeah for a while I was like oh like I don't want to talk about politics because it's like it's touchy all this stuff but it's like fuck that it's like this is what I believe I'm a whole person. I don't just make music. Yeah. Music is one of the most political things. Anybody who says keep politics mm-hmm. out of music is living in a fantasy world. Music is political. And I'm going to share my opinions because this is my personal page and I can share what I want. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and for I, sure. you know, and I, and I did have multiple people who reached out to me. I'm going to play with this stick. <laughs> um, I had multiple people reach out to me who were like, thank you for... Mm. for sharing this information because I didn't really know. And, like, once I realized that even my relatively small platform was reaching people, it was like, okay, I'm going to be sharing information. Like, I had a whole thing where I was, like, sharing information on how to register to vote, how to request a mail-in ballot, the best ways to drop off your mail-in ballot, what the deadlines were, and I kept it as, like, a little highlight on my Instagram page and stuff like that. And I had people messaging me being like, thank you for posting this because I wouldn't have known or, like, you know, can you share this so that we can see the dates for this? And it does matter. It's making everything as accessible as possible. Yeah. You know? So, I don't know. It's just kind of like... I don't know how you de-radicalize people that are so down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. 
Like there's but... there's a couple of things in motion that I read about recently. I don't know if you've seen them, but like I think it was I think John Oliver touched about it on his last week tonight at one point where he was talking about the electoral college and trying to switch on switch out how that works. Yeah. And having all the states sign up to this one thing that'll make it to where it pretty much will abolish the electoral college and will just be popular vote wins out. And another thing that I saw going around recently too was uh, how other countries, it's like an automatic, there's no voter registration Mm -hmm. and you're just kind of by default allowed oh, yeah. to vote like and... having to register to vote literally is voter suppression right that's what i was seeing i'm like oh interesting yeah. <laughs> it is isn't it well it's funny like my family <laughs> so... on my mom's side is german like she's oh yeah i was gonna ask you about there. that yeah. yeah and i'm i'm a citizen as well and she um i just gave myself a splinter wow it might have been from you that i saw that then did you share i don't know probably i don't know but there when you move, you have to register your address with City Hall, but you just do it anyway. That's just like, you know, you officially, as as with here, you officially register that this is your new address, whatever. Yeah. And then you're registered to vote in that district. <laughs> That's all it is. Um, and yeah, everybody's so. registered to vote. And then in like some places, like in Australia, there's compulsory voting, which it's like, and which I can totally hear the right wing freak out of personal freedoms as mm-hmm. I say it, but it's like it's a great thing actually. It's compulsory voting, so it's like it, yeah. you're registered to vote, you're sent a ballot, you're supposed to vote, but you could literally like cross out or write some random bullshit in the ballot and send it in if you want. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to vote, it's like okay, every like two or four years you pay a fifty dollar fine mm. to not vote. But I think you know at the end of the day, it's so you like, mean like you're you're. Uh... Okay, so in that in that scenario, you are kind of penalized for not voting. Is that is that that in Australia? And I might have the details like a little bit wrong about that, but it's kind of the type of thing where it's like they send you a ballot. You don't have to vote for anybody. You could just send it right back. Mm-hmm. Or and it's ranked choice, so you can write like your order of choices of who is the the president. Uh, and if you don't want to participate at all, you pay, like, a small fine. And I can, you know, I can hear the personal liberties arguments, you know. <laughs> but it's, like, it's your civic duty, and you don't have to actually really participate. You can literally just send your ballot back, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if everybody were like required to participate or even if they weren't required like it is in Australia but I think like if everybody were just given access mm-hmm. it'd be so much easier you know my my friend like said this thing which was like is it voter fraud or is it allowing or is it giving access to everybody to vote right you know yeah so you know, it's like in, in Georgia, Stacey Abrams leading the charge to register 60,000 voters that had been in disenfranchised areas before. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not fraud. That's just registering more people to vote. Yeah. So, yeah. So for those that aren't, I mean, we are uh, 
was going to comment on trying to survive the, the chiller temperatures out here <laughs> that are coming in. Yes. Uh, let's see what else I can squeeze in here before we call it good. Um, I guess what I was... All right, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I was thinking about how... I try to think about why I think the way that I do think and why others around me think similar. Like, well, it's because I'm, I'm in the arts. I'm in the, I'm in the, right. I'm in the creative space yeah. where I actively have pursued trying to figure myself out and yeah. what I bring to the table and, you know, expressing myself and how I feel is like, is like what we do. So we... It, it's it's interesting to think back on like my before times on when I was trying to figure out myself or other people around me that are so I guess like let's say like you mentioned your dad like my dad doesn't uh, he's like the classic manly man mm -hmm. mechanic and I have no idea what his opinions right. are right yeah he just doesn't express himself in general mm -hmm. so i'm like nah. it's hard to be like the artsy son trying to open up your father right so it's a yeah it's it's, it's nice be, being comfortable with expressing yourself oh. and it's difficult to get there though. i think that so many people have problems expressing themselves men in particular um and I think that that's where a lot of, like, anger problems mm, and violence mm -hmm. problems come from. And, you know, the whole, like, quote-unquote toxic masculinity, it's, like, it's no one's fault. Or, like, you know, individually, like, men are brought up that way. And obviously this is a generalization. Sure, but sure. Like, it's just history. It's just history. And, you know, I think that men are encouraged to not show their emotions and to hold it in and be strong and all of this stuff and to express their emotions in a masculine way as opposed to a feminine way even though there is no masculine yeah, or feminine yeah. right, you know right. like quote unquote yeah. That, yeah it's like a healthy way versus an unhealthy <laughs> way is like more what it is yeah, right there you go but it's like yeah and i and i also think too like thinking about like the reason that I have like the opinions that I do and the worldview that I do I think that I totally think there's merit in what you said about like doing active soul searching working in a field like okay I again I talk about this with my mom a lot because of her like background and you know Germany they're I mean they have they're a strong economy they're very like working class kind of thing too but there is a different cultural mindset and, and she and I talk about it a lot where you know, in America, it's so, uh, like, capitalism is so important for American values, just making money, just mm -hmm. climbing that ladder, mm -hmm. and I think, like, just, like, there always has to be a purpose for something. There always has to be a reason that you're doing this creative project, a reason that you're going on this trip. Everything, like... Right. I don't think that, like, there's enough of just, like, doing things for the sake of doing them and enjoying life and, like, 
having things be slow paced. Mm -hmm. And I think that people in this country don't get enough time off. Like that's true. The minimum in most European countries is like six weeks when you start. Six weeks a year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and that might have changed in some places. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just speaking to what I've known sure, in the sure. past. But here it's like two. You can't, I mean. It's not, yeah. That's, you don't have time to actually take a vacation once you take a sick day here or a, or a day off here or a personal day here or do a weekend trip here. And so I think that because of that, a lot of people don't have the time mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. really relax, really unwind. I think that leads to extreme high levels of anxiety and anger problems. And I also think that that causes you to not have enough time to really explore the world around you. Mm-hmm. I think that people not having enough time off and having this speedy mentality is why you see the rise of like... 10 cities in 10 days, the European bus tour where you're only talking to other Americans and you're there for, you know what I mean? Like, I think that that is, it's no one's fault. I think that people just don't have time for more than that half the time. But it's like, I think that if there were more of an emphasis placed on like really like work and making money, not being the end all be all most important thing, then I think that like, we'd see a lot I don't, I don't know that that's like the, the objective yeah, yeah. answer but like I do think that we would see people like having a lot more empathy for other cultures and people like immigrants and, and people who mm-hmm. have different backgrounds you know I think in California we're very blessed to live in a very multicultural place where you don't even have to leave and you can yeah, yeah. hear tons of different languages and meet people from all over But, you know, and this isn't a knock to middle America, but, like, if you're living in middle America in a small town, you're not really going to be interacting with anybody who doesn't look like you. Um, And it's, you know, it's gotten more diverse in years past, for sure, but it's, like, the culture is so different, and I think that, in general, like, people should be given the opportunity to explore more just for the sake of it to yeah interact with others and to just have some time off not be so well, yeah like I, I tightly wound all the time. I, I think about I think about man you said so much I know I know <laughs> I was like I'm really talking about all the time here but no it's good um time off that I mean that's what people are gifted with COVID I know. <laughs> in some in some instances but then again, there was no opportunity to really experience the world. Right. It's You're like stuck with yourself. Time off at your house. Which, which is still time. That's day. time to think about who you are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if there was a, uh, I like the idea of a priority, I don't know what the word would be, but the, the physical health, mm-hmm. mental health. Yeah. Because... That's kind of what you're talking about, too. You didn't mention physical health. That's just as important. Part I mean, of it, they're, yeah. they're, they're both super yeah. important. Um, and then... Oh, yeah. You have to, like, show... I mean, I, I do think that that might change after COVID now. But it it's should. Like, it should. But it's, like, you're expected to show up to work unless you're, like, dying. Well, because that's the issue with... Um, I don't know. Like, it's not really a forefront of the discussion a lot of the times. They're not really mentioning becoming healthier Mm -hmm. they just say stay indoors 
they don't they don't but healthier is like the probably i mean the biggest thing you could be doing is right. strengthen that immune system yeah um but as far as mental health goes like i think about i really enjoyed this last year of reading mm-hmm. um because I, I set the goal randomly because i wanted to be a better person <laughs> or yeah. like whatever yeah, totally. so i did my half an hour a day goal mm-hmm. of reading and i mean because i guess i saw all those studies of like people who read are happier people who yeah. read are more empathetic and then of course i i don't have the luxury of traveling all the times and, right. and reading is another yeah. way to put yourself in other people's shoes completely it is such an escape you know you're not on time. your phone yeah. which is huge mm-hmm. yeah and exactly like you're reading about other times other cultures yeah, yeah I, I think that's all that so yeah mm-hmm. that's a big part of it too but yeah and that's you know and and that's the kind of thing we're talking about this it's like it's such a cultural shift that needs to happen if we're actually going to be like healthier as a nation and i don't just mean like physically and mentally but i just mean like our existence mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's like it's life is not about working and making money it's great when you are fulfilled by your sure. work and it's great when you No, make I, money. I have the same thing. I always say it's not about the money is <laughs> what I tell people when I'm right. like, I'm like, I'm just here because I love it. And yeah. sure, give me the paycheck or, right. I'm or like, whatever. I would love to make a lot of money with music, <laughs> like obviously. But like I was saying earlier, right? It's like, yeah, I want to be headlining Red Rocks, but also like, I also want to just like tour with my friends and play small shows too. Whatever works, whatever happens. Yeah, you're saying you're, you're going to be doing it regardless exactly and i was my kind of last thought on all of this too is when you were saying earlier you know choosing this profession of that kind of leads you to work with other people and be empathetic and all this stuff i think we've also chosen professions where you don't make that much money unless (laughs) you like really make it and then you make money sure sure so i think it's like we already like kind of have left that mindset of like the capital it's not important to us yeah right that's not the goal that's a great outcome. You got to survive. And if you can make some nice money while you do it, that's great. But it's not about that. And so I think that already like pulls you a little bit out of that toxic culture. Mm-hmm. So that's my thought on that. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to talk about it. I felt really productive. <laughs> I know. I know. I hope I don't sound super preachy to no, anybody. You don't. Or... You don't. It's... it's just, you know, I think that I think there are a lot of great things about this country and a lot of great things about a lot of people living here. And I also think that there's like a lot of problems and a <laughs> lot of things that are not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'll, I think I'll have us end on that. Yeah. Um, it feels good and I'm getting cold. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess last thing I did want to say yeah. was thank you. Yeah, thank you for having um, me on. Let's, let's, let's have, or I'll have you plug your socials really quick. Yeah. But um, I did want to say, I guess as far as the physical health goes, <laughs> I've been hitting the gym for the first time in like years oh, and stuff because yeah. of my apartment opened one up or whatever. But what I was actually going to say was that your wax is what I gym to. Yeah. Oh my God. Amazing. That's so funny. I've never thought of it as like workout music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like similar to the reading, I kind of, it's kind of like as long as I'm doing it, I feel like it's productive. And, mm-hmm. and then the wax, the wax EP is like a good length. It's like a, like a half an yeah. hour about. Yeah. So I, I start it 
And then by the end, I'm like, all right, that was a good workout. That was good. <gasps> That's so funny. And it ends with, um, it ends with, with personal space. Personal space. Mm -hmm. And I love the, uh, the climax of that too. Yes, like, you're just like, the, push the, through. <laughs> the energy in there gets me pumped up. That's so funny. So, oh my God. I love that. So you talk about, you talk about your music kind of getting into emotional spaces, but like, yeah, like it, it I don't know, I utilize it for. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. So. Yeah. <laughs> um that's awesome i have to like either listen to podcasts or like pump up music mm -hmm. i'm like otherwise i i no. can't but yeah i found a way to i don't know like I, that emotional energy yeah. like i grew up on lincoln park so mm -hmm. that like sad but upbeat yeah like this it kind of gives me that similar similar vein where it's, yeah. it's not necessarily like a it's not designed to amp you up all the time right. but for whatever reason it works for me so it's very cool that's awesome but all right sweet i don't know we yeah. can find your music on all platforms spotify apple music amazon music all that good stuff and then instagram at... and yes all of my socials are at talker celeste <laughs> c-e-l-e-s-t-e -E. um but yeah every platform instagram twitter facebook all that is talker celeste Sweet. Yeah. All right. Great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs>